welcome to episode 121 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 48 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were flummoxed by four soccer simulators, shuddered by super trucks, and inflated then deflated with the incredible shrinking sphere. This week, we continue our look at the games in April 1989, along with what albums were released that month. Graham, April did not get off to a great start. Do things get any better this week? In this revealing episode where we challenge the notion that repeatedly affirming how tasty a breakfast cereal is does not equate to any notable increase in general awareness, we side-scroll our way through another R-type alike, this time in the remake of the clone of the arcade of the game of the clone of the remake. Yeah, it's Daenerys. We also troll the brown corridors and endless drudge of a walk and flap game in the deeply underwhelming dynamic duo and also cruise through the 3D checkerboard roads and hills letting the 8-bit wind flow through our hair in the laid-back countryside drive-along Eliminator. Our investigation has revealed that no matter how many assertions you shout in a person's ear regarding their immediate situation, their breakfast cereal taste obsession will remain resolute. Shocking. And while we unpick the truth of that... We steer the awkward boats, explore the 3D jungles and strafe the enemy crab style in the somewhat oddly titled Butcher Hill. Drive around a map looking for ways to walk around a map in the somewhat map-obsessed and overly confused Motor Massacre. Scroll and shoot vertically while sitting inside the cockpit of an F-14 fighter jet so we can explore the short grey world of Tomcat before going all sideways again in a miniaturised super fighter ship on a mission to stop a brain from exploding in the rather interesting DNA Warrior. Finally, enough tasty bread and filling for a decent sandwich. Sure, the pickles might be off, but you can't have everything. No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, they do. I think they do. I think they do. I think... No. <laughs> If, if we're on a bell curve, it's a very flat bell curve, but there's a slight bell curve in the middle. And I think the, the quality is slightly bell better in this the middle. week. <laughs> That's not but, saying you know, I don't want to give anything it? away, but I don't think it's quite yeah, as it, horrific. I mean, it had to get better. It couldn't get no, any no, worse. But, but it's no, but I mean, four soccer simulators. I kept waking up in the night thinking about that. There's, yeah, there's yeah, not so much horror good, this week. It? And it was four, four times not as good as other things. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. In all fairness, there has been an uptick. There has been an uptick. It wasn't exactly what you call a hurricane of quality, was it? <laughs> no, it was more like no. a bloody tsunami of bloody garbage. But typhoon of terror. Yeah, it was rubbish. It was rubbish. Iconic cloud of crap. I well, I was avoiding the poo jokes because you know we get into trouble for those. I think you can say crap. Crap doesn't always mean poo. It just means no. rubbish. No, it does. We we made it say it now because we said the word poo. I'm not allowed to say it. Told you. It's controversial. (laughs) All right, so we've got seven games this week. Seven. Seven games. Aye. Should we get into them? I mean, one of them. (laughs) The first one. Should we get into the first one again? (laughs) Let's do it again. We may as well. All right, let's get into the first one. And that first one, again, is over to you, Graham, to tell us all about Daenerys. Well, I could just refer you back to episode, was it 102, I think, and just say, listen to that. But every time you hear the word catechist, change it for the word Daenerys. Then it also gets a bit confusing because there's there's also a game called Daenerys as well, which is also a shooter, but not this one, not this one. So just for the public record, and because we never get bored of repeating ourselves, this is published by Rainbow Arts. It was coded by Manfred Trends, the graphics by Andreas Escher. (laughs) 
the musician, of course, Chris Hulsbeck. <laughs> Ooh. Sound familiar? I didn't know that. So this is Daenerys. Or, no. as Sean Connery would say, catechish. Because it is kind of like catechist, isn't it? It's like, it's catechist-ish. <laughs> so it's uh, catechist. Did you write that down or did you just come up with that? <laughs> or is it Daenerys? I just came up with that. Or is it Daenerys? I don't know. You could go on forever, couldn't you, with it? Anyway, aside from the obvious changes, it's catechist, this. It plays mm-hmm. like catechist because it is catechist. Well, well, it is and it isn't. This little tiny... Tiny, tiny changes. A logo change, of course. A flashing, zappy, zzz, crackly logo on there from Catechist to Daenerys. There are some graphic changes in the game as well. Just enough to avoid any kind of future IP infringement, I feel. No, so we're not getting involved in any of that again. But for all intents and purposes, this, this is Catechist, really. There is a different scenario to it, just so you know. The scenario is as follows. Throughout time, man has been the victim of his own intelligence and his insatiable thirst for knowledge. The planet Daenerys is a horrifying example. Scientists created machines which became so sophisticated they no longer depended on man, and so began a rule of tyranny. It's what they always do, these machines. You can't trust them, can you? I don't know. The Denarian people tried in vain to destroy the machines with a mighty ballistic missile. But from the ashes of the nuclear fires, the machines rose up more powerful than ever. They've watched the bloody Terminator. Come on. (laughs) Trapped in an underground stronghold. I don't know what you mean, Graham. (laughs) It's just Terminator. Is there anything original about Catechus at all? I mean, even when they've rebranded it, (laughs) renamed it, they make the scenario the Terminator. It's just like, just, just do something original with it. Anyway, trapped in an underground stronghold now, the Denarians' only hope for freedom is the DSH-75 Eagle Fighter. Don't give them designations. Just call them Eagle Fighters or something cool. An ultra-refined space glider. Nobody goes into a battle <laughs> with a artificially intelligent robot army with a glider. Nobody. It never happened. It never will happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to work. It doesn't glide. It doesn't glide, does it? Anyway, control the eagle fighter in this epic crusade against evil and win yeah. freedom at last for Daenerys. Hope you enjoyed that. And that was the uh, somewhat toned down scenario because, of course, the one for Catechist, if you remember it, was pretty epic. Involved, you know, similar kind of thing. I similar, but there was a bit vaguely. more to it. But no, we're, we're allied in all of that. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to say anything different about this than what I said about Catechist, but I'll, I'll, I'll attempt a few clear things. And I'm, I'm actually not going to go into a big, long, over long review of it because we've reviewed this game so many bloody times now. It's boring. We played it as Catechist. Yep. We played it as. Daenerys, we've played it as our type. We know all the variations they're they're in of. You know, we've kind of done this. So this comes with the same options as Catechist, one player, two player, co-op team player, team player as well. And it comes with the same kind of upgrade tree, you know, so you can upgrade to the, you know, you collect the different crystals and they all have different effects. So some of them will give you more powers up and some of them will do those sort of things. There's the shield things. What do you even call those? Uh, the things that you collect, there are th- it's essentially because it's like playing our type. I don't, I don't get quite really what this is anymore. Because when you talk about it, you're basically talking about a game that ripped up, well, ripped off. That was that was our type. It was just an R type clone. So they've created a clone of their own clone. I don't even know what you call that. What what even is that? A clone of a clone? It's like a clone clone. Reclone. It does exactly the same thing as it does exactly <laughs> reclone. A super clone. Reclone. 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 <laughs> for the memory of a lifetime. Reclone, reclone, reclone. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, right? The graphics in this are really good. I mean, they haven't really changed them that much. There is a website which documents the significant changes that exist for this on, on a bizarrely on a movie on a website called movie-censorship.com. Randomly on that website, there's a list, a comparison between Catechist and Daenerys on the C64. So key changes are as follows. 
the word Denaris instead of Catechis in exact, principally the same font and luckily taking up more or less the same letter space, which is handy. It's handy. Everything else on that title screen is the same. Mm-hmm. The cover art has changed because it's got Denaris written on it. And the crystal container ship has changed. So the thing that flies towards you that you shoot that would look too much like our type, which looked a bit like Sputnik. Now it looks a bit more like a sort of a jet. And then there is some level differences. They've changed the color to green. Makes all the difference, that, I think. It looks completely different in green. I mean, I was completely fooled. It does. I was thought this was an original game. Exactly. The little walker bot that was was sort of in brown-orange in Catechist is now a kind of gray color, slightly changed design. The alien is blue. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other alien is sort of shorter of beak. I think it's safe to say with a less pointy head. (laughs) And the one of the green sort of blobby spaceships looks marginally more blobby with slightly more grey. That's really the only changes to it. The game principle plays out the same. It's a side scroll and shoots them up like our type. So it plays exactly like that. You scroll from the screen scrolls from right to left. You fly from left to right. Things fly towards you in different patterns and waves. You shoot them with your gun <laughs> and you've already to shoot them up. I mean, it's a cat kiss. The only difference I noticed here is that it kept the same difficulty level, which was very difficult. I think, I don't know. And I think I'm, I was, as I was playing this, I was beginning to think to myself, am I just getting too old for shoot mumps? Because I was really struggling with this. Like really struggling. Probably. I thought, no, it's quite, it is quite a tricky one. But I think I was just doing so crap. I thought, oh, you know, this is, this is it. I'm, I went, I went full blown Indiana Jones in the, you know, the last, the last movie that he was in. I'm like, oh, I felt so, oh, it's a joystick <laughs> isn't working, Adrian. I can't seem to coordinate properly. And, oh, is that, what's going on? I just felt suddenly very old when I was playing it. And I was like, oh, my reaction times are so crap. I couldn't get out of the way of anything, even when I was speeded up. Oh, you collect speed up, so you set them off in the same three way. Three years of playing games like this, done it to you. Yeah. Well, again, I feel like I'm, you know, I've, I've, I'm not going to go over it really. If you want to listen to what Catechus was like, go and listen to the review that was in episode 103, which we said was, uh, I said at the time, I, I liked, I've always got a soft spot for Catechus because at the time it was quite an impressive shooter and it felt like it. And in the absence of having our type, which I didn't back then until later on, it was, you know, it was as good as it was going to get. I didn't realize there was so much controversy around our, our type and all of that at the time because I had a pirate copy of them all. So it made no difference to me. But when I got, uh, when I come to play Daenerys, <laughs> there was enough changes there. I noticed it was less buggy, if that's something. So it felt like it was less buggy. It felt a little bit more competently put together. Less buggy code. Maybe there's less on it, but there's, there's some of the patterns of spaceships were exactly the same because I ran them side by side. So there weren't a great deal of differences. The spaceship is still probably slightly too big, actually, for the game. Some of the enemies are just as unforgiving, though. And the loading still remains a massive pain in the ass. Something which I'm pleased to see they carried across all of the variations of this stupid game. The same range of options was, like I said, one, two co-op. Principally the same sounds and music as Catechist. I didn't encounter any slowdown bugs, but then again, I didn't live long enough to find any, I don't think. So we've got a load of them now, haven't we? Catechist, R-Type, Daenerys, Armalite, Salamander, Nemesis. There's a whole bunch of them. There's probably more to come. They're all moderately different versions of the same thing. As I said in episode 102, I've always liked them. This one particularly as Catechist or Daenerys, it's pretty good. Amazing code base is, you know, amazing to look at on the C64 that it's got so much crammed in there. But I'm just like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's been a bit of a joke this to release. I don't quite get why you'd release it. I don't understand the releasing of it. If they've just done R-Type and released R-Type, is this like a glove slap? I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, <laughs> I like it, but I liked Cat Kiss and I liked R-Type. I've got nothing more to add to it. It got 88%. I don't know how they scored it differently to Cat Kiss, but they did. So... <laughs> I don't know. There's the quirks. I'm not saying any more about it. It's Catechist, so it's the same game with a different name. So 
It's all right. <laughs> Here we are again. Here we are again yeah. on my own, <laughs> going down the R-type road I've ever known. <laughs> the only one, yeah. Not really sure I see that much difference between this and Catechist, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, but hey-ho. No, As ever, solid shooter. Like, like you said, I think it did seem to be a bit more polished than Catechist, which is obviously not quite finished. So this did get the final pass that made it a little smoother and a bit more approachable. I found this a bit bit more easier than Catechist, actually. I did all right with this. I didn't do too bad. Again, though, as I said with R-Type, as I said with Catechist, his roots are in the R-Type mold of shooter. So it's that all depends on whether the R-Type style is for you or not. As I said with R-Type, my preference is in the Salamander, Vulcan Venture type thing. So if you like R-Type, you're going to like this probably because it's R-Type. Change it all you want, but you shoot something, you bolt something to the front of you, you can send that off on its own and it does all loads of damage and stuff and shoots around and you get power. It's it's R-Type. Stop saying it's not. Anywho. Why don't they call it their type? R-Type, their type, your (laughs) type. There's a whole bunch of types they could have used. Yeah. Yeah. Our type would have made more sense. Would have been. Like I said, it's a bit more approachable. It's still pretty hard, but, you know, I, I go on with it. Looks... Still looks and sounds great. There's loads going on. I didn't notice any real slowdown or flickering. It's exactly what we said. It's, even if this is the third bite of the cherry, taken in on and in and of itself, it's still a very good game. All said and done, it's still a very good shooter. But it's yep. one we've played. Yep. This is the third time we played it in you know in different with a different title screen. Mm. It seems to be. But I'm R typed. I'm R typed out. I'm all typed out. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say I'm the same. Like I said, our type was never my shooter du jour, so you can only take so much of it before you're just like, ah, yeah, okay. Oh, that's it. But I don't think we've got much more to say we about thought it, that have snooker we? game got released a few times. <laughs> Denarish. Kish. <laughs> I like that. It's good. Unbelievable. It's a good joke. Uh, there we go. That's Denarish. Uh, let's move on to our next one. Um, something new, maybe, at least. And that one, and this one is another D game. It's all the Ds. Dynamic Duo. This is this is from Firebird. And for the princely sum of £9.99, Graham, £9.99 comes the Dynamic Ouch. Duo. Not Batman and Robin, but Dwarf and Duck. Heroes you never knew you wanted. <laughs> another game, <laughs> another game this where there's very little in the way of credits I could find. Lemon64 listed mm. the code as SPU. They did the pretty okay. rubbish Shackled. Remember Shackled? It was a oh, crappy arcade version. It's got music by David Whitaker. Though Moby does have, and the instructions do, uh, does have developers down as probe software. So I'm not quite sure where the lineages or who owns what, who did what, or who said what to whom. Anyway, probe software, they did something. I can locate no specific individuals responsible for this. That always tells me something, if I'm perfectly honest. Anyway, the story. And I'm going to read this straight from the manual because it needs to be read from the manual. The game. Are you ready for this, Graham? Beyond the realms of magic lay the dark powers. They're in, they're in quotes. Able to control the destiny of any who enter the night house. That's in quotes. I don't know what the night house is. The building is full of hidden rooms and treasure chests, waiting to be found by any with the strength of will and body to enter the house. The house is built up of many corridors and secret rooms. They have all to be explored. There's no full stop there, just a comma. They have all to be explored in search of the treasure chest, capital T on treasure, which, if in luck, contain a part of the 10 pieces required for the key to the calculation room. The rooms you seek are hidden and are only eliminated on the map carried by Dwarf when all 10 pieces of the key have been collected. And once the key is formed, fake phantom rooms are eliminated, which the duo will have to investigate in his search. The duo will have to investigate in his search. The duo is not he. It's they in his search for the real calculation room. In your travels, it would be impossible for just one being to navigate and locate all that is required in the night house. But you have a companion on which you can depend. A winged bird. (laughs) 
compared to those non-winged birds with the ability to fly separately from you like those other birds who can't they just tether to you <laughs> traveling through the house and searching for the required items in the house lurk enemies that can halt you in your determined mission the grim reaper has been watching your entrance <laughs> matron into the house and your movements with great interest he has the power to attack you when you are least expecting it and can call upon all his power to defeat your quest if you are off guard together you and your partner are a strong force but limited in the amount of ground that can be covered in the areas of the house you can investigate but separated the two are able to move in different directions and cover a wider area just utterly <laughs> stupid what the hell is this, this? Nonsense. i don't know we have a dull rambler that's this game it's a rambler it's a really dull rambler with a screen yeah. layout that clearly belies its spectrum heritage spoken about this before spectrum screen split in three you told me about this when you start to notice that spectrum mm. you know that spectrum layout of its screen is split into three you start to see games split into three that came from the spectrum uh, okay <laughs> you don't do. do that the game opens with an uh, i guess an okay title screen but instead of dynamic duo the logo seems to read dynamic devo yeah because I the u that. in duo looks more like a v Stupid it does idiot. anyway there's a piece of music by mr whitaker that will eventually drive you mad and we have some options to play in silence with music with sound effects or with both for the love of all that is holy do not play with sound effects or with both as they're horrible. Don't. And with the music and sound effects vying for channels, it's a cacophony of horror. It really is. It just is. drove me mad. Because when you shoot, yeah. it's like... Dwarves and ducks don't sound that loud, I'm sure, pretty no. sure. Uh, anyway, we can also play two-player, with player one taking control of dwarf, and player two taking control of duck, if you so desire. I only played it in single player, so I can't really comment on the two-player element. So there you go. A stab of the fire button in port one gets us into the game. And again, I'm just going to read the instructions here just to sort of tell you what it's like. As it said, the screen is divided up into three parts as follows. One, the first at the top contains the playing screen for when the duo is joined as one, or just for duo one when separated. That's complicated, <laughs> isn't it, that? <laughs> it's like, oh, my head hurts. The second, part, the second part of the screen contains the map showing the area covered by the player or players s is in brackets oh, and any no. items or objects that are in that part of the map when the two players separate the map will be replaced by a copy of the first screen but this time showing the duo twos progress this screen will no. be able to scroll independently from the top no it doesn't <laughs> Why it goes side to side. Duo two? <laughs> the third and final screen contains both scores as well as the number of pieces of the key collected so far right I've got a pressure. I mean, this might not be English, might not be their first language. I'm guessing it's not, but this was released into English and this was released by Firebird. So somebody at Firebird should have given this a read through. Yep. A bit of localization wouldn't have hurt, would yeah. it? Duo one, duo two. Why not just dwarf and duck? Yeah, give them names even. Yeah. Debbie dwarf. Well, you just shouldn't have to have dwarf in a name because she's a dwarf or he. <laughs> Oh, I was thinking Dobby Duck as well. Anyway, he, didn't so, yeah. have to have his, he didn't have to have his species in his name. He could Daffy be called does. Kevin. Daffy does. That's, that's Donald Daffy, does. Daffy, yes, that, but these don't. He Scrooge could just be does. Kevin. Pete. <laughs> Pete Duck. And his, his name's McDuck. I know, he's still got duck in it. Yeah, but he's a McDuck. He's Scottish. <laughs> So yes, anyway, the screen is split into three sections, each second up a third of the screen. The main action takes place at the top, and I say action lightly, and we initially control the duck, who starts sat on the dwarf's head. Movement of the joystick, we'll see it fly off, and we can fly left, right, up and down, and shoot with the fire button. Enemies will appear, and you can shoot them. The backgrounds are different coloured walls, with what look like ladders, but are not. There are doors and holes, and on some levels, chests, though. 
and I'll come to these in a minute. When in control of the duck and flying about, the middle third will change the location of the dwarf. When the two are together, the bird is sat on the dwarf's head. The middle section changes back to show the layout of the world. It's, it sounds harder than it is. You get it in, in seconds. It's just it's more complicated than it really should be. To show the layout of the world, so it's like a map with indicators of doors and holes. Uh, which allow you to move up and down the levels, or the floors, we say, uh, the night house. To switch to control of the dwarf from the bird, you press the Commodore key, and as the dwarf, you trundle slowly along, shooting stuff. And you can't stop trundling. No, Left can't. or right, just changes your direction. Once you start walking, that dwarf, he ain't stopping. Slowly, yeah. slowly, like the, the turtle or whatever it is in that, slowly he'll get there, but he's going to get there. The dwarf. Yeah, yeah the dwarf is the only dwarf. one who can pick up the chest, should there be one on the level you're on, or the floor you're on. So you must trudge to pick it up. And then trudge to find a door or hole to change level, going up or down. Doors take you up, holes take you down. When you do, you can then scout that level out with the duck again. Basically, you just loop around. The level just loops back around, so you just fly one one direction with the bird. And this is a chest. You just keep going. You'll get back to the dwarf. You set the dwarf off walking and wait. Just keep pressing fire button and shoot any enemies that come, and that's it. Until then, you cut the chest, and you go through another hole or door. I didn't get them all. There's rooms that appear or something like that, but I couldn't find them all. Should you find all the chests, you can get to the calculation room for some reason. I don't know. I didn't get there, and nor did I want to. This is a boring game of trudging along thin bands of screen to find a chest and then a door to do the or a hole to do the same again on the next floor. The background visuals are okay, I guess, if a little garish, but the sprites are a horrible mishmash of random medium res enemies, and our heroes are oddly coloured using yellow, red, and white. That's not a good combo no, for, for, for a duck and a dwarf it's just uh, especially against the garish backgrounds it looks ugly the scrolling is smooth i guess in each window i'll give it that and i guess the idea of having two protagonists with different abilities being able to play at the same time is a good one two player could be done stuff but the problem is it's like it doesn't matter what the duck's doing because the only person the only thing that can get the chest is the is the dwarf so you have to wait yeah. for the dwarf to trundle along slowly 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 to the chest and then move to the next one it's just fundamentally dull there's no puzzles to be solved no interaction with the world you just go up or down there's nothing to do there's literally nothing to do in all this and and at first i'm playing this i don't you know look at the price stuff i thought this was a, i thought this was a budget title it had budget title written all over it but it's not it's 10 pound so it's a ripoff it's a, money. a massive ripoff because there's nothing in it. There's so little content here, so little to do and engage with, that it very soon becomes a chore to play and ultimately you turn it off pretty sharpish. There's nothing dynamic about these two. Dull, dreadful, dismal, all better alternative alliterative words to describe this duo. Or should I say Devo? Rubbish. What did you think? Yeah, it's not great, is it, this one? I mean, I, I was just, wasn't really blown away by the cover, which looked like a fantasy midget with a duck standing on a piano with holes in it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. I don't don't get what that means. I don't understand what you are. And I just, and also, do you know what bugs me about that cover? And it's something really little, but it is there. It says Commodore C64, and that winds me up. (laughs) (laughs) It just winds me up. It's a Commodore 64, or it's a C64, but you can't have the Commodore C64. That's the Commodore, Commodore 64. <laughs> Commodore, Commodore 64. It's one C too far for me. Um, Uh, But in the C is where this. monstrosity should really have been thrown, isn't it? I mean, come on, what is this? Some kind of blocky, medium-res clown with a bird on his head is what I thought my initial thought was. I'm like, what is this? Wandering slowly through some kind of brown. This is, you know, we played a lot of games where we wandered through the brown. It's not something I want to do again. Yeah. It held no excitement. There's literally no. nothing exciting about this game. Nothing, nothing. Um, no. The cover does look exciting on the box, but it's nothing in the game is exciting. From the weird way it starts and the way you control it's kind of, the, the, the setting it up for who's doing what is really stupid. And it's just, it all feels like a bit of a pointless, yep. even when you get through that and you think, here we go. Then you're presented with a blurry mass of stuff with a bird that sat on someone's head. At least it's human shaped, I guess. 
And the bird sort of flaps <laughs> off and you think, what am I doing this for? What's the point? Maybe if there's two people no. playing it, maybe two people might enjoy it. But you'd have to be really close brothers or something to really enjoy this because you've both got to agree that it's good and you, it's never going to happen. One of you is always going to go, wait a minute, this is rubbish. <laughs> Why single are you doing this to me? single player version of this was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I thought the single player, what's the point of making a game that's principally around a duo and then making having a single player game if you're not going to do it like Druid or something like that? Where you've got, you know, know. just just don't do it. Don't if you're not gonna make a game like Druid, and that was a Firebird game, then don't do anything like this. This is just horrible. It's a stain on the brain. Unpleasant on the eye and very unpleasant, as you rightly point out, on the ear. I got tired of that sound very quickly, and I and I was trying to think, what is it about this sound? And you were exactly right. It was just like a scramble. It was a scramble of sounds. There's no coherence in, and the sounds don't even make sense in the context of the game. So it's no. not like the, no, the, even if there was a scramble of sounds, at least it's the sound of a duck and a dwarf in a corridor. No, it isn't. And I'm not that I'm an expert. I've never been down a corridor, <laughs> where I've, I've certainly a brown one, where I've encountered a duck on a dwarf's head. I'm sure it probably doesn't sound like that, though. It's just not a very good game, is it? 10 quid, get lost. It's, it's rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish game. I would have expected this kind of monstrosity released in 1985, and it would have been crap then. So £10 in 1989 for this. Are you having a laugh? Move on. Move on. <laughs> Move on. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Terrible thing. Yeah. Dynamic. There's nothing dynamic about that game. It's just rubbish and a ripoff. Another birthday disaster somewhere for somebody, wasn't it, that? But there you go. Yeah. If you put the word dynamic in your game title, you, you better have something dynamic. Not dull. Not dismal. Not boring. Yeah. Jesus. There we not go. Foe. Devo, <laughs> in a singer, Devo. <laughs> I think it is Di- dynamic Devo. Yeah, probably. crap, just bloody rubbish. Let's move along quickly. Let's go from D to E for our next one. Uh, yeah, so our next one is it begins with E D D D E. It's the Eliminator. Over to you, Graham. Eliminator. Uh, Nine ninety five. This from uh, Houston. It was designed by John M. Phillips. That's the dude that made Nebulous. Pretty, pretty intense. You know, he was the winner. Well, that game was the winner of our game of the year, wasn't it? This is coded by Tim Rogers, who also did Alien Syndrome and War. Graphics are by Darren Stubbington, mm-hmm. Hugh Bins, or Huge Bins, as we like to call him. They're Netherworld, Cybernoid. Funny enough, I've written that as Cyberboid, which is kind of like an, how a New Yorker might say, you know, Cyberboid. There's a Cyberboid. I don't <laughs> never mind any of that. I'm not talking about and the title screen is uh, obviously Steve Robertson. Sir, that's uh, Sir to you and me. Musician, Jerome Tell, of course. Or Haroon. Just Jerome. Jerome. Jerome Tell. This was uh, originally known as Roadstar XRI. Did you know that? And the name was changed, was thankfully, because it sounded too boring. Roadstar XRI. Roadstar XRI was his, was its original name. Sounds like a type of escort. Ford escort. Uh, well, it probably wasn't, but it, it sounded too boring, apparently. And that's uh, on the games that weren't website from the people what made it and so they, there's a little comment on there about that and it's quite the mm-hmm. list of creatives isn't it for this game so that's that's a pedigree of people you know, the people that made combination mm-hmm. made nebulous and cybernoid and stuff and all the graphics that come with that wowzer so you know you'd expect big things and you might be you might be find them fulfilled the title screen or loading screen it's not maybe one of sir's greatest but it's not bad very dynamic lots of movement kind of is what it is it looks all right okay the scenario for this game is quite short and sweet it says from underground there came a machine encircled by death that kills but cannot be killed the eliminator a war machine whose solitary quest is to eradicate all forms of life traveling from planet to planet obliterating all in its path have they been watching star trek anyway uh, maybe star (laughs) trek 4 
Anyway, Eliminator, the ultimate in firepower. I did fail to see what any of that had to do with the game I eventually ended up playing, but... It doesn't, but never mind that. Uh, the gameplay then, <laughs> Eliminator is a progressive... Now, this is an interesting concept. Is a progressive shoot 'em up set on a long, winding track. The objective of the game is to drive your vehicle through each stage, shooting everything in sight and negotiating, destroying obstacles. What that's got to do with this scenario is anyone's guess, but it don't matter any, you know, it's just a scenario, isn't it? Thankfully, it wasn't 10 paragraphs in a book. So that's the gameplay, essentially, of how it's how you're supposed to do things in the game. Quite exciting, that. So Eliminator itself, then, we have, I guess you'd call it a sort of a, a zoomer shooter. What do, we, what do we even have a brand name for these now? Zoom shooters, shooter zoomers, track zoomers? Um <laughs> I don't know. know what you'd even call this. It's kind of a, it's not a racing game. It's a shoot 'em up, but you're on a kind of 3D track a la kind of Mario it's sort quite, of well, Rainbow Road type thing. I, I would say something like Road Blasters, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, Road Blasters. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's kind of because you're kind of on a road blasting, I suppose. You're not on, in a car, but vehicle types being what they are. So, yeah, so I guess that's what you call it. When you first start the game, you get quite a nice sort of title screen, nice sort of raster effects, bit of UI on the side, but quite nicely stylized into kind of nice visual sort of, I guess you'd call them pipes, but that's what they are. And just very simple credits and kind of, you know, start things off by pressing, you can press F1 for a bit of extra info on there, but ultimately you're going to want to be pressing Firebot to get going. Now, it has to be said that the uh, music, by the way, that he's all the way through this because I don't think there's any sound effects, or at least I didn't come across a way of switching any in that I know of, but no. I didn't play with any sound effects. So you'll start the game and you actually, there's a couple of things that are impressive about this. So firstly, the way it presents the track is the kind of a take on the checkerboard effect. So it's what it isn't doing is using your standard raster bar road, or at least it's not doing it in the way that all the other games of this type primarily have done it. This is a lot more like trailblazer and those kind of that kind of idea so it's a checkboard zooming towards you but uh, yeah yeah. yeah, cosmic costway but in a thinner line so it feels more like a road more like a roadway Well, like trailblazer i guess yeah because that was thinner wasn't it yeah trailblazer but that that kind of idea um on the left and right of each side if you're on the left hand side you've got kind of a a ui that has your weapons in the central area of the screen is where the track is and the way it's going to sort of move around it has hills and it has bends and things like that on the right-hand side, you have a series of energy counters and smart bomb indicators. So you've got, I think, you start off with three or three smart bombs. I think you can click more. And on the right-hand side, you have different energy indicators. One of them is your amount of bullets, because ammo is limited. One of them is your energy. And then you also have shields, and you also have a fourth one, which for the life of my can't remember what that is. But anyway, so principally, you can you start off as a sort of a small, smallish spaceship at the bottom of the road and the road is going to then start zooming towards you as are objects upon the road and the main mission of the game is to control your spaceship to sh- either sh- avoid contact with the thing so dodge out the way of them or shoot at the objects that you can shoot at there are a number of other things that will appear in your track obviously it's progressive so this is you're going to continue zooming down this road no real destination or end goal in sight with this i suppose but you do just start shooting down there. And the colors do change. The graphics do very little bit. But you'll get different types of enemies. Principally, there's things you either collect, which will either increase your weapons and give you different types of weapon, which you can shoot, like double shot. One is kind of a homing shot and things like that. And you go up and down to change the powers, shoot, obviously. And then um, you yes, can, there's also ramps that you'll speed, hit that will make you jump. No. And then there's ramps that will make you fly up in the air and jump. You can't actually jump, but you can jump if you hit a ramp. Likewise, you can shoot at the different objects. And as I, say, as I say, you can either pick these things up, but there are things that you can't shoot and you have to avoid. And they will appear on the road in strategically annoying places to try and thwart you from your journey. And that's kind of how the game plays out. So it's quite exciting how it does that. Now, it's quite clever, this game. It is, it is leaning on the Trailblazer Cosmic Causeway 
idea because even as dual tracks at a certain point later on and stuff like that where you get two roads coming towards you on the top or the bottom and the way the track moves and bends is actually pretty good on this game i have to say the, the code that has been used to create that effect is genuinely the best on this machine i don't think that's ever been better than on this really really good the bends are really smooth no bugs in sight no flickering or anything like that this is you know this is someone at the top of their code game this is the guy that made and designed both Nebulous and and stuff like and all those other games that we spoke about. So this isn't this isn't these are, this isn't a slouch team. Mm. All the shading on all the sprites and all the graphics are really good. When you move your ship left and right, it does have a slight angle on it as well. So it's not like it's just flat. It has kind of a slight bit of inertia and movement. I'll come back to the kind of way it moves around in a minute because that's kind of one of the things that may be something of an issue for some people. But the principle of the game is you're going to fly along this track and as you progress so far. You keep on going, you'll keep on going. Eventually, you'll get to the end, well, end of maybe of that section, and you'll get given a code, which you can then put in like a password, which you can then use to restart from certain parts of the game. Now, I have mm-hmm. to tell you, I was playing this for ages, and I never got that. So I don't know how far you have to get in to get one of those. But I was playing it for a long, long time, and I never got anywhere. But as you go along the road, the road color changes, the, so some of the scenery detail-ish that you have in the background, such as it is, kind of changes. There's a rudimentary kind of horizon line type effect, but it, it's actually pretty damn good. And then there are, as I said, there's certain tracks and obstacles that you can't do. It's actually a pretty well-presented game in that respect. So there's there's quite a lot to like about that. And the way that it all works is pretty good. As I said, the graphics, I think, are really nicely designed. The road effect aside, the actual sprites inside the game, they're about the right size. Maybe your Eliminator ship is perhaps a little bit small. I don't know. It feels sometimes that it's a little bit small, but I think if it was any bigger, it would probably feel too sluggish to move. And I have to say, one of the things that I'm not 100% with this game is that there are some sluggish movements in it, which I think can hamper a game like this. But we'll come to that in a minute. So it was always a nice, it was always a nice looking game, and it was always going to be an interesting take on the kind of endless zoomer. And it's nice when we get them when they're good, when they come along when they're good. So we you know we like Trailblazer and we like some of those others in the past. We've liked them when they're good. I got sick of the Rastabar races that we've had. This isn't one of those. This is different, and I quite like that about it. The road effect is good here, even if it means that the pace of the game is perhaps a little bit mellow for what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Far yeah. from it being a kind of scramble blaster down the old checkerboard highway, this feels a bit more like a sort of floaty jaunt. I mean, the graphics are well realized for what there is. And yes, it is a really great road effect. And it felt to me like actual proper hills and turns. So they've actually thought about the, how, that go, how, go, how that's going to work. So it doesn't just raise the horizon by a character graphic and drop it down again, like we've seen in some of those other games. It does feel like you've actually got proper hills coming towards you and there's hills and valleys and all of that kind of thing. And like I said, all the sprites are very well designed and realized. Perhaps, like I said, your main sprite could be slightly bigger, but that might then mean that it would move slightly sluggish, more sluggishly. And it does move a little bit behind your desire to move in this. And I think that's a bit of an impingement, really. It's well mm. realized, but the controls, like I said, the controls are a bit sluggish to respond to you. And it feels more like the, I think it, the best way you can describe it is it feels like you're dragging the sprite around rather than moving it. Um, so it's bit, it feels yeah. like it's got weight and you've got to kind of hoy it across. Now, okay, the enemies are okay in this. They're few and far between, and there's quite limited attack patterns, but they are what they are, and in terms of the game, because you're trying to concentrate on that as well. I think if there was any more in this, it would be impossible because of the speed you move at, because you kind of sway your ship around when you're trying to duck between some of the things that come towards you, because they come towards you on the road staggered. So you've got to kind of navigate your way through the staggering and and do that, and it's very difficult to do sometimes because of the swing of your ship. And even though you're picking up extra weapons and extra bullets and all of that, I think the problem is, None of that feels like there's a real imperative to do it. Um, it's just kind mm-hmm. of you just kind of trundling along the road. What this needs is 
drive, a countdown clock, perhaps, stages. It's labeled as a progressive shooter, and that's fine, but you need to feel like you're progressing to something. Otherwise, it just feels like you're just trundling down the road, avoiding stuff, picking things up. It just feels a bit pointless. Now, I was playing this for quite a while, and you know, it was a relatively nice jaunt. Um, no, I'm not going to say it wasn't. It wasn't particularly challenging, or dare I say, particularly interesting. It wasn't terrible. The music is excellent, so it's nice to listen to that. I love the music in, in this game. Jerome Tell's <laughs> done a great job. And it kind of suits the game tonally because it adds no drive to the proceedings whatsoever. Just kind of as you trundle along. Just trundle along. Hi, hi there. Boo, boo, boo. I'm just going to avoid this thing. Ooh, sweep you around. Oh, jump. <laughs> it's just you're kind of sauntering more than It doesn't feel like you're under a particularly threatening attack. Nor does it feel like you're in any particular rush to get anywhere. You're just kind of swinging down the road. Oh, I'll get down this. It's a lovely little saunter down the old checkerboard highway. It's like a tour. Um, and I don't know, that's kind of a problem in a game that's kind of a shoot 'em up Because shoot-em-ups shouldn't really be that. Now, I get it. It's a limitation of all the stuff going on. I'm no doubt about that. And so maybe it's the payoff between having a nice visual effect and, the, and all of those things. And having to add the main, you know, the sort of mania to it, maybe you'd have to skip frames. Maybe it's not going to look as good. There may be reasons why it doesn't quite work that way. And I get that. But I think the problem is if you're going to have a game that's like this, you can add simple things to that to give it an imperative. Like I said, a countdown clock where you've got to try and get somewhere. Of all the games that needed checkpoints and countdown clocks, this is probably the one where Clemens didn't need them because nobody would want to do that anyway. But a game like this needs <laughs> that kind of thing. But at least what you've got here is a very, very accomplished, very polished, very finished game. It's a good attempt at something fresh and different. So it's, I know it's back to the kind of trailblazer cosmic quality idea, but it's at least it's not a Rastabar, bad line highway that we've seen so many of. It's not where Clemens or anything like. It does have that slight controllability issue. And only on the other side of that, maybe is a sense of player affordance. Perhaps conversely, because we one of well one of my complaints about Trailblazer and Cosmic Causeway was that they were at such breakneck speed that you could barely have time to comprehend what was going on before you died. And this is almost the complete opposite. You know, you've got loads of time to swing over to the left. Oh, there's some things coming. I'm just going to move over there. There's no no rush for me to do. I'll get over there in a minute. Don't you worry about that. Maybe that's just part of it. The balance is just tipped in slightly the wrong zone, isn't it? Here needs needed to be a tad faster with a little bit more imperative. That would have greatly improved this game from where it's at. Maybe that's why it scored 74. Maybe it would have pushed it more towards the 90s if it had had just a little bit more drive and a little bit of reason to be in there. But it's, you know, great graphics, very clever coding, great music. All those are good ingredients to have in something. We play so much crap that it's nice to see a game that's finished and accomplished. It just needs urgency and agency and purpose and direction. It's worth playing. Go back and replay it. Just bring some popcorn because you're just going to be on the tour of the highway for a little bit. And you're like, ah, it's going to eat my popcorn. Don't you Don't you worry. I'm not going to run into anything for a few minutes. I'll be fine. What did you think of Eliminator? Yeah, it's a um, it's a drive down the A16 with cruise control on while you're listening to an album that you like. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just it. It's like... Just going to... Every now and again, you swing out around a cyclist and come back around a tractor, dodge around some roadworks. Oh, this is fine. So there's some nice ideas here. The visuals are very good. It's a great 3D effect as it raises and lowers. Some lovely sprite scaling and a similar style to what we kind of saw in parts of Nebulous when the things were coming around the tower and stuff. It's got that down yep. to tea. And obviously the coding by Guy who did Alien Syndrome has done a great job. It's just, so, like you said, there's something about the pace of the game. It's just too slow to really engage. And I think when you put it up against the two that are present similarly, Trailblazer and Cosmic Causeway, they did yeah. you know much purer form, faster, way more exhilarating 
this just is like it's the Sunday drive version of those. You know, it's like out <laughs> yeah. for a nice drive with your top it down, is. some nice through the rolling hills of the Pennines or down in Kent yeah. or something. You're just trundling about. Do, 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 do. And yeah, but pff, and it never ends. The roads never end. I never got anywhere. I was on this plane this for ages because you can. He's like, there's not much to do, dodge. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes so slow. You just do, <laughs> do, do, do. It's like all, you need, all this needed was a Chris a Chris Rea soundtrack, and you'd have been sorted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just listening to some Chris Rea or some classic driving rock, bit of Eric Clapton. That's what this game is. It's yeah. the Eric Clapton of shoot 'em ups. Old slow hand. <laughs> Just, you know, what imperative is there, you know? And considering the scenario, the scenario doesn't really link to it, does it? <laughs> no, you can't have a countdown because you can't go faster or slower. And if you hit something, you die. Yeah, true, true, yeah. So true, technically, if there was true, a countdown, yeah. you can't, you, you have to be able to speed up to enable you to get there, unless it's just, a, it true, would just yeah. be a, yeah, you reach this by this time. I had no choice. Cruise control was on and I couldn't turn the damn thing <laughs> off. Yeah, there is the, there is that kind of mentality about it, isn't it? Because it's... They fix the speed clearly because they, you know, that's the speed, that's the optimum speed that the whole 3D effect yeah, can yeah. do. But, so, yeah. yeah, so up and down, just well, what can up and down do? If it well, it change your weapons. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice. I quite like that. They did make things complicated. It, but, yes, it's fine. It's the, that's the whole thing of this game, isn't it? <laughs> but then it, it takes any sense of, yeah, if it's a speeding up, slowing down for court, you don't speed you up, don't slow really down. You really need corners. the weapons, do you? We no, really need it felt it felt in a way i think it's closest thing in the way it controls and the way it sort of moves because you don't really need to sort of go you know around corners it's a bit like buggy boy as well on the cc mm. where you don't have to steer and things like that yeah i mean then that yeah. you have to speed up though i suppose speed and slow down but it's like somewhere in the middle of yeah. buggy boy and cosmic causeway and stuff which is just a lovely sunday drive of a game illuminator that original name yeah just chilling out <laughs> road start exciting yeah. though it's not certainly not eliminator no Name's yeah. wrong. No. There we go. That's our first half. Seen it before. Crap. And <laughs> we're going to be such a lovely day. Lovely day. Lovely day. Yeah, you lovely could have a bit day. of Bill Withers on there, couldn't you? That's yeah, what Bill the Withers would do that. Doom, doom. Good start, <laughs> couldn't it? That game. Doom, 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 doom. You wave at somebody as you get in here. But see you later. Doom, 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 doom. Off we go. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> when I wake, I wake up, up in the morning it's gonna be uh, oh it's like I'm actually thinking now of that um, the lighthouse family gonna be lifted lifted yeah, it's that, that kind of game it's, it's that. anything like that yeah yeah it's anything anything by that, it's that anything at that tempo is it pro, could we argue this is proto wipeout is this a proto wipeout if this had more if it had the things we've said would that make it wipeout no way <laughs> I mean, you know, speed and urgency, if it had those things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What does it say? It does say it's a progressive shoot 'em up because it's progressive rock, isn't it? It just goes on at a slow yeah, speed. Prog rock. Put rush on when you're playing it. Yeah, you could yeah, sit listening to all 2112. <laughs> Set on a long winding track to the tune. You know, I bet that Chris game, Rhea. I bet it plays really well. If you if you put rush on for that game, it's 2112. When it finishes, it's 21 minutes. If at the end, that's when the end game ends. It's like, oh, it's perfectly timed. <laughs> but it is. And the enemies, that. Dun, dun, and the enemies appear. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. That's what it is. It's the rush of the C64 <laughs> games. It really is. Except there's no rush about it. <laughs> no, it's this the band rush. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there we go. That's our first half of games. 
Well, there you go. Mm. I don't know what to say about them. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to look at albums. We have lots of albums to get through. Uh, what's it? We're in April, aren't we? I've lost track of tra- track of the year. I've driving for so April, long in yes. uh, Eliminator that April. I lost track of where I was. April 1989. <laughs> so we're going to have a look at the albums for April 1989. So uh, we'll see you in a bit. All right, we are back. Albums for April 1989. Staying at number one. We talked about this before. We have done it before. Is Like a Prayer by Madonna for the first week. Pope still has never bought a copy. Do you know, I was looking at the stats for this because I thought, how popular was it? 15 million copies worldwide that sold. The album sold best in the United States at 4 million copies. United Kingdom, 1,200,000 copies. And Germany, 750,000. That's a lot of copies of that. So I would argue that perhaps the... Uh, they perhaps uh, made the sales a bit greater, dare I say it, by uh, giving it all of that free publicity. No sales in the Vatican, though. Well, I didn't, you know, you can click on the list. I doubt that they probably have any record shops there. <laughs> yeah, probably not, actually. <laughs> the greatest hits of Gregorian chant. Been number one for the last 200 years, so. <laughs> for the next two weeks of April, it was When the World Knows Your Name by uh, Deacon Blue. Two weeks of number one. Yeah, two whole weeks. I mean, they'd, they'd had a lot of hit. They, you know, Real Gone Kid. There was Wages Day, Fergus Sings the Blues, a lot of Regret, hits. Queen of the New Year. <laughs> they all went quite high. All reached top, top 30. They had a lot of hit. <laughs> hey, look, all five of the album singles made the top 10 of the Irish singles chart. Well, that's okay, because, you know, they're probably very popular there. Um, I don't like them because, you know, I don't know, I just don't like them. No. Can't forgive them for Real Gone Kid. However, coming back up to number one, the following week, I'm sure we've covered this before, was A New Flame by Simply Red. Oof. It won't go away. It needs to go away. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's proving to be a pain. I don't <laughs> like it. Yeah, hey! <laughs> yeah, I don't know why this keeps rising to the top. <laughs> it's not good. We don't need it. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a yeast for the ears, that's for certain. No, it's no bun at all. Uh, finally. <laughs> I'm doing my best to baguette it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got loads of bread downstairs at the minute. Someone brought loads of bread for us today. We've got tons. I mean, when I say a lot, if I was to show you how much bread we have downstairs, you would say, Adrian, that's a lot of bread. <laughs> Well, I'm more concerned that people are just arbitrarily bringing you bread. Oh, no, no, we knew them. They just said we've got loads no, of bread. I was going to say, just knock on your door. Hiya, do you want any bread? <laughs> uh, massive yeah. balls, massive pretzels, all kinds of stuff. Oh, nice. Bread. Anyway, last week good. of the month, in at number one, was Blast by Holly Johnson. The debut yeah, solo rubbish. album by Holly Johnson and Franco's Hollywood sold over 300,000 copies, making it platinum. And it yeah. stayed in the charts yeah, for popular. 17 weeks. It was. And also, I found out that Brian May played the solo on Love Train. Doesn't help things. Brian May's intervention <laughs> very rarely helps anything. <laughs> I've, always, I've often found. I mean, don't yeah, get me wrong. He's a, he's a lovely guy, Brian May. Um, he's, he comes to our astronomy club, Brian May. Always brings a really, really powerful telescope. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's always here. Yeah, he's, he's a, Did he build he's it a himself? Doctor of... Well, he's like a you know he's like a Jedi, and he's you know that's how you know that he's a proper astronomer. They all do it. If you, you know, it's like a Jedi with the lightsabers. Astronomers build their own telescopes. It's just you know, that's how it works. That's how it um, works. That's how you can tell how powerful they are. Um, but he's got a very powerful <laughs> telescope. He can he can see to the other side of the universe with it, which wow. is ironic because it looks exactly like this side of the universe. All looks the same from here, just you know, dark with little spots. Yeah, his power, his, his <laughs> telescope's so powerful he can see the back of his own head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take that, all of you flat earthers. 
<laughs> it goes all the way round. He can see back in time. When he looks back into his telescope, <laughs> uh, he looks back in time. He can see when Queen were first releasing their singles. And he thinks, I could have done better there. That's what he thinks, because he's a perfectionist. Absolutely. He's driven by yeah, it. I, I, or was he driven I'm by you? I'm not a fan of Holly Johnson's. I'm, <laughs> don't even think of that song. <laughs> um, I, I was never a fan of Holly Johnson's solo stuff. Um, and I tried to listen to it recently because I thought, because you keep banging on about how good it is, and it isn't very good at all. Uh, but I think it's because I really like them in Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and I just didn't really think he offered much else outside of that. So that's just my thing. And I think really, and, my, and actually I've come to the understanding that my liking of Frankie Goes to Hollywood is actually really more of a liking of the producer brains that were behind that um, yeah so trevor horn's production is kind dreadful. of what yeah exactly so i really i'm a big fan of trevor horn so yeah. which is which is, oh, i'm not necessarily buggles so i won't go that far but you know i liked all the stuff he's ever done Can't as, not as video I've come to the radio star. no no i'm not saying i'm knocking it i think it's great but I, as i've come to listen to more of his stuff like grace jones and stuff like that i've just come to realize that he's, he's the stuff he produced was just amazing so okay amazing stuff all right, let's get into some albums. 2nd of April, in at number 15, was 1984 to 1989 by Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. This mm. is the first compilation album by the British band Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. Comprised, comprised material released by the band. There are three studio albums, Rattlesnakes, Easy Pieces, and Mainstream. Certified Gold by the British Phonographic Industry. Certified Ass by me. I was never a big <laughs> fan of Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. I never understood what all the fuss was about, which is ironic in every way they could be. <laughs> why, why such a commotion? I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> he went on to be just Lloyd Cole, didn't he, when he calmed down a bit? <laughs> what was their famous song, Lloyd Cole and the Commotions? I, I couldn't tell you. I have no recollection of anything Lloyd Cole apart. I know the name, but that's it. I'm just trying that's to think it. of one song of theirs that was like, because I remember them being on top of the pops, but yeah, I can't remember were. why. Uh, and at number 58 was Blast Off by the Stray Cats. Ah. I was completely off on these. I must have these confused with with somebody, someone else because these are an American rockabilly revivalist band. Um, right. And this was the uh, Matt, the reunion of the band after three years of solo endeavours. The band's previous album, 1986's Rock Therapy, had been re- produced to fulfil a record contract. And they do not look like they sound. They're a mishmash of what they look like and what they sound like. I'm, I don't, yeah, I don't. they did look a little bit different, didn't they? Yeah. I don't know anything about them because I thought of someone else. Because this, what was the band that Jules Holland was in originally? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's who I'm thinking of as well. Because I thought there was some kind of like British sort of scarred jazz type stuff thing. And I, and I think I figured out why it is, you know, because I thought exactly the same thing as you. And it's because the pop band Squeeze, which was Jules Holland, did a track called "It's Cool for Cats." It's cool for cats. Yeah, it's very cool for cats. It's cool for cool for cats. The Sweeney's doing 90 and they've got nowhere to go. And I'm wondering if I've just amalgamated those things into Yeah, one. Mandela affected myself or something. Into... <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I was thinking maybe it's that. 9th of April, uh, in at number one, was the When the World Knows Your Name by Deacon Blue. You know. Yes, the only band that sounds like a Citadel miniature paint. <laughs> Surely Simply Reddies as well. <laughs> no, it's, no, Simply would never have the word Simply, would you? It'd have to be a complex and another colour. Deacon. True, true. No, Deacon Blue, no, or no, Blood Axe. Is it an ad- adjective? Is it an adjective simply? I don't like the uh, fact that the, the, the name has an adjective in it. Yes, good. actually, yes, it is, isn't it? Well, Because no. if it's simply red, then it's just red. No, they're bread. <laughs> well, bread are already, yeah, yeah, we don't have simply bread. We have the band bread. We don't have simply true. rush. You could stick the name simply in front of anything. Still nobody has answered whether there's actually a baker's called simply bread. We've asked this several times now. Surely. <laughs> There Come must on. be. There must be. You don't say it like in at number five, Forever Your Girl by Simply Paula Abdul. <laughs> you could do. <laughs> Simply Paula Abdul. That might be our album, but wouldn't work. No, Simply Red would be angry about that. They'd be simply angry. <laughs> simply you too. 
Uh, <laughs> so yeah, number five, Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul. Her debut album. Uh, this was massive. Very big. Um, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was. First time an artist scored four US Billboard Hot 100 number one singles from a debut album. Yeah, it was interesting that she basically saved up loads of her own money um, by obviously doing all of the choreography for quite famous acts, saved up a load of her own money and paid for her own demo out of her own pockets. And that demo was what got her obviously into getting a recording and getting did. a contract and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it all took off from there. But she did that herself. It just shows you how much moxie she's got. That's why she got hired. Yeah, yeah, yeah she did. Yeah, famously. Yeah, I didn't know that. Pretty good, that. Was Paula Abdul a judge on, was it the X Factor or America's Got Talent? or I think, those, it was, I, think? Um, I think it was American Idol, wasn't it? Was it American Idol? They're all kind of the same. <laughs> this this would be, this is where we need brown sauce, because he would know, because he's, he's addicted to all these programs. Well, yeah, he liked Paula Abdul as well. I mean, he liked her. <laughs> Lots of like. So. Lovely woman. Yes, yes. Very yes, good dancer yes, as well, yes. and a great choreographer. Amazing, amazing dancer. Yeah, but um, Yes. She did all of Janet Jackson's dancing choreography, didn't she? All of it. So all of that dance stuff we've been going, wow, Janet yeah, Jackson's yeah. amazing dancer. That was all Paula Abdul, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she'd done, she's choreographed for high-profile hatches. George Michael, ZZ Top. I don't see them needing much choreography. Maybe she did the dances for the band, you know, in the, yeah. in the videos and stuff. Duran Duran. <laughs> Mm. And most notably Janet Jackson. But yeah, straight up still a great track. So straight it up is. now tell you that you really gonna love me forever. So um uh, uh, yeah. oh, there you go. And we'll put a link in the show notes to the performance of that on top of the pops. After that, in at number eight is the Headless Children by Wasp. Yeah. Mm, not my cup of tea at all, Wasp. No, no. I mean, number eight is quite high for the for Wasp in the UK, I guess. I mean, it stayed there quite a while. Supposedly, the Headless Children showcases a new level of maturity from the band compared to their previous three albums, uh, which is stereotypically mm. lewd rock and roll lyric. Politics and social issues are now a theme throughout the album, and the cover art based on Gateway to Stalingrad, which was a cartoon with many sort of uh, mm. different figures on there, with Lee Abbey Hoswell being shot in the bottom left. Now, I actually listened to the... I'm not really, I don't listen, listen to Wasp, but I don't particularly like them, but I did listen to the track the headless children i thought i'd have a listen and mm-hmm. to be fair i thought it opens quite well mm-hmm. i thought there's a nice opening few bars yes. that bit the guitars are very nice and, everything like that, and then he starts singing yeah, <laughs> and it all goes to shit because <laughs> i hate blackie lawless's voice i mean new levels of maturity the second track on the album is called lick my love pump <laughs> it's not really <laughs> track three says track three is called this goes to 11 <laughs> Don't they have a track legitimately called Scream Until You Like It? I Probably, yes. They probably yes. do. But, you know, it's a new new level of uh, maturity for this album. Well, yeah, so uh, your hand in my pants is, you know, <laughs> is, is lower on the list. <laughs> Carrying on in the metal theme, in at number 26 was Live in the UK by Halloween. Halloween. Um, live versions of selected tracks from Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and 2. Not the good tracks, though, <laughs> must be said. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of real surprises for this, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like your rating you've got here. We've got a rating table. <laughs> well, if I was Halloween and I was going to pick songs off my two massive multi-selling albums, you know, of Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and 2, would I have chosen those tracks from those? <laughs> <laughs> would, I mean, of course, I'd have put "I Want Out" on there in Future World, but would I have put "Rise and Fall" in there, or mm. "How Many Tears"? Um, would I have chosen <laughs> "Doctor Stein" over "Halloween" or "Keeper of the Seven Keys" or, or "Eagle Fly Free"? It beggars belief, really. It's a short album. It is "Eagle Fly Free"? Yeah, "Eagle Fly Free." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But 
So it's, a, it's seven tracks on the album. It totals a total of 50 minutes or 49, just just over 49 minutes. It's just because you listen to the album and, and obviously subsequently, you know, Michael Kiskin, this is the actual, the only time really, for the first time, it's the first live album they ever did. It was recorded in Edinburgh, I think, and somewhere else. But it's, so it's, you know, it's recorded in the UK, fine. It's the proper Halloween lineup as well, which means you've got Ingo Schwitzenberg on drums because they always change their drummers a lot, these bands. I mean, Gamma Ray, but they have a different drummer every time they turn up. There's like, who are you? I'm the drummer. Hey, what to the other one? Don't ask. <laughs> But they so this is so this is the proper you know the the creators of Halloween Kai Hansen and Schutzenberg and Grotzkopf and but all of those those they they you know because Kiss came to Halloween he wasn't the original member of the band so no he wasn't no but weirdly this is the really weird thing so this is the first live album this is the only live album with Kiss vocals on it until 2019 now does that seem odd to you yeah yeah I mean, it is the one of the greatest rock vocalists of that kind of music, easily, you know, he's up there obviously with, you know, and they're very much in the mold of Bruce Dickinson and everything else, but he's an amazing vocalist. He was only 18 at the time when he recorded those original albums. So we'd have been not far off that at this point. His voice is astounding. Why would you choose those songs, which, you know, they're not great songs. They're not their best ones. You know, why, why wouldn't you have Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2? Um, and just some of the some of the tracks that really show off his vocal range and talents, why wouldn't you have them? I and mean, if you listen to later on when they do United Alive, when it's all the singers from Halloween just turn up, so Andy <laughs> Derris and all the rest of them, they're all in it. You realise at that point when you look at some of the live footage from that, how his vocals are still really good now. Yeah, 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 they are very good. Absolutely amazing. Better than Andy Derris and a lot of the other vocalists that followed on from them. So, I don't know, it's it's the only one of the only live albums they did. So, it just seems really strange that a band of that caliber with those musicians and that's and that they wouldn't have done more live albums. It's just, it's it, it blew my mind. Mm. I remember having it and buying that album. I remember buying it and remember thinking at the time, oh, Dr. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Stein like on it, yeah. It's just it like what, rise and falls on it because that's one that at the end it goes rise, <laughs> fall. I'm like, don't yeah. do that. On t- but <laughs> no, at least the tail that wasn't right wasn't on it. You no, know, with its uh, yeah, instant, it makes you weep instantly. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be thankful for small blessings. Yeah. Uh, there we go. That's Halloween at number twenty six. At number thirty one is the Gypsy Kings with Gypsy Kings. It's their yeah. third album. You know what I found? This is weird because um, if you think the Gypsy Kings and the type of sound, you know, the, a band of Catalan rumba, flamenco, salsa. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Founded in nineteen seventy eight in Arles and Montpellier in southern France. I would not have put them as being, you know, foremost in <laughs> Catalan, but also mixing Spanish with southern French dialects. That's not what I was expecting at all. No, I, I wouldn't put them down as a spench band at all, or, no. a, fr- or a Franish. They're not Franish or spench. <laughs> I don't know. The group members were born in France. The parents were most, mostly Gitanos, according to the, uh, which is Fair Spanish enough. Romani, according to Wikipedia, that Fair is, enough. who fled Spain during the 1930s Spanish Civil War. Aye. And they're known for bringing rumba flamenca, a pop-oriented music distantly derived from the traditional flamenco and rumba genres to a worldwide audience. And they were originally known mm. as Los Reyes. Yes, everyone remembers Bambaleo, Bambaleo. Yeah, that was the big track of this one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I never knew that they were French, and I would have never said that they were. No, if you'd have asked me where the Gypsy Kings came from and said, and this is their song Bambaleo, where they sing in Spanish or Catalan, I'd have said, are they from France? It wouldn't have, that wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Germany, Germany. Yeah, yeah. honestly, they sound so French. How How are you not getting that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and at number that? 53 is Dress for Excess by C.C. Sputnik. 
Just no, no. no I, don't, I didn't no, even bother no, looking this no. up. I could be bothered. I don't like sticky seats, no. but I can't bothered with them. No. Don't can't get it. I don't get it. I don't get what it's all about. No. 16th of April. In at number three is Sonic Temple by The Cult. Yeah, fourth fourth studio album. The album features some of the band's most popular songs, including Firewoman and Edie, Chow Baby. I'd say they've got two, Rain and She Sells Sanctuary. I was going to say, they're not <laughs> their most popular songs. Get out of here. Get out of town. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I listened to it and I went, well, it's not She Sells Sanctuary or Rain. Yeah, so, does it go? Uh, does it start with do 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 do? Because if it ain't no one of those ones that starts with that, then it ain't going to be the one that's the most popular. No, it was not. Uh, and at number five is Club Classics Volume One by Soul to Soul. Yeah. Now a bit of a correction here, because obviously we had um, the single released, which is the single off this, isn't it? Keep on moving. Mm-hmm. And we were wondering where Back to Life fitted into it. Back to Life, the single, came out after this album, so it's not oh, on right. this album. It's it, there's, there's an a cappella version of this of Back to Life on the. Club Classics Volume 1 album, but Back to Life as a single, which was the one that really launched them into the stratosphere after the success of this and the album, came a bit later, which surprised me. Not much later, but later. thing with, um, I always remember about Soul to Soul, weren't they, was, what was the um, the rap sort of mockumentary type one? Was it CW4 or the other one, Favour Black Heart? Favour Black Heart. Where yeah. one of the uh, members goes off and, and basically does, yeah. becomes soul to soul, doesn't he? And he, yeah, he does. He releases. <laughs> uh, I'm just a human. That's He's it. the new formantics. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Whenever I think of soul to soul, that I, I am just I, like you. I'm just a human. You are yeah. just like me. Like, I'm just a human. We all stand and sit when we pee. I'm just a human. I'm just a human being. <laughs> yes, that's, that's when I do one. do. Is my shit not brown? It's a universal thing. We all flush it down. That's the one. There you go. I knew it was that. In my head, I can see the image in my head, but I can't. I couldn't quite remember what it was, but I knew you'd remember. When you wipe, don't you look at the tissue? Most folks do. It ain't even an issue. <laughs> Such a good one. film, Favourite Black Hat. Such yeah. a good film. Uh, and at number 26 is Good Deeds and Dirty Rags. Speaking of dirty tissues, Good Deeds and Dirty Rags by uh, Goodbye Mr. McKenzie. Interesting album, that. Good stuff, Yeah, it's the first one. The original LP was released with an accompanying 12-inch single, which I think I have. I was going through my stuff. I've got a load of Goodbye Mr. McKenzie stuff. Wow. That's a, that's a bargain to get a free 12-inch. Oh, it was, yeah. It's not a record. <laughs> just a just a 12-inch. I don't want to know what that is if it's not a record. <laughs> no. Uh, in at number 63 is The Black Swan by The Triffids. Never heard of them, but they were an Australian alternative rock and pop band formed mm. in Perth in Western Australia in May 1978 with David McComb, okay. the singer-songwriter, guitarist, bass guitarist, okay. and keyboardist. Might be, never uh, heard of them. Never heard of them, no. Might be of more knowledge to some of our Australian listeners, which we have quite yeah, a few Yeah, it could, could be considered an Australian classic, so be careful what you say. You don't know. Oh, oh I don't t- know anything by them. I, listen, I did listen to one track by them, or a couple of tracks, one particularly for me, I have to say. No. But... You know, not everything for everything, but you know, surprising it's in the chart though for the UK. Somebody must have heard it. I mean, it it sounded fine, just not for me. But I'm going to say at this point that remember we are on a bit of an Australian tip well, we at the moment in, in, the the UK, in the UK. In the UK at this present time, yeah. still so, are, of course, listeners. We love you. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But back then, with it was neighbours and home and away, we're driving that Australian. Oh, weren't uh, they just? You know, you could, so. you could do no wrong. No, he couldn't. Paul Logan had us all laughing, didn't he, for years? <laughs> he did. He won't go away. Uh, <laughs> 23rd of April, in at number eight is Doolittle by the Pixies. The, or your, uh, your yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, again, I missed them at the time, but speaking to some Pixies fans, which I did this week, this was, this was, I was told that this was the, the classic album. This was the best one. Um, mm. The second studio album by the American Alternative Rock Band Pixies. It was the first international release uh, with Electra Records. Because the first album, I think, was Surfer Rose, and it didn't do particularly well in America. It did better over in Europe, so they concentrated over here. 
tracks like Debaser, Wave of Mutilation, Here Comes Your Man, Monkey's Gone to Heaven, Gouge Away, such good songs. And it, and it, and 15 tracks, and it's just 15 tracks, and it's just 38 minutes long. Now, that's brevity. Just going to say, that is like punchy. Yeah, just 15 <laughs> tracks. I mean, no, barely any tracks are over three minutes long. I mean, if you, it's, I don't know what that is. It's like two and a half minute average per track. But when you think about the classic tracks, like Monkey's Gone to Heaven, Here Comes Your Man, you think, they think they're longer, but they're not. They're really short because they're just they're in they do the stuff and they're out like they're amazing amazing stuff and it's a really it is a really good album Doolittle if you I know you're not listening to much of them but if you're going to listen to one I'd listen to uh, Doolittle mm. I think it's a very good album I didn't realize how similar sounding Book Rogers by Feeder Feeder but Book Rogers as a track sounds like Monkey's Gone to Heaven I think we're gonna make it yeah Monkey's Gone it's just very similar. It, all those quiet loud, quiet loud bands. Yeah, yeah. all all that. I don't know from. any more than that. <laughs> no, but it's a good good album. I really like it. It's classic. What can you say? It is a classic. classic. In at number twenty is "What's That Noise" <laughs> by Cold Cut. <laughs> Just reminds me. Of, <laughs> that reminds me of the time when me and Gary missed the largest uh, uh, largest processional. What was it? Largest festival in Nice because we slept through it and woke up halfway through. Going, what's that noise? <laughs> We were tired. We just flown into Nice for a day. We were tired. We were like outside, like hey, party. We was like, what's that noise? We're trying to sleep. Why on earth would you fly to Nice for the day? Uh, just flew over in the morning. Flew back the next day. Just that went for a night. It's cheap, easy. When it it was when EasyJet were doing flights, like about twenty quid. <laughs> it was cheap because because I lived in Luton. Fly mm. out of Luton Airport. You're in Nice in like about two hours. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. No, it's so it's like, well, let's just to go to London. Nice. Let's go to Nice. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All the places yeah. you could go. Well, I mean, I did. I did. Low, I mean, I went to where else did I go? I went to Berlin for a day. And when I say mm. a day, we flew out at six in the morning and flew back at ten. And it cut. And it cost <laughs> something like well. about. It cost something like about thirty, forty quid. It was cheaper than the train fares around the UK to fly know, to Berlin. Don't, don't it's ridiculous. Did, uh, but yeah, I can imagine did, that. I did Geneva as well in a day because again you fly yeah. out about six, half six, and come back about ten o'clock at night. Yeah, it's how to do it. You can do those quick stop-offs. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, but that's what that reminds me of. Is this any good? I don't know. It's not my thing. Cold cut. No. Well, you've heard loads. Of, you'll have heard of loads of cold cut stuff. Doctor in the house, stuff like that. You'll have heard loads of it over the time. Lisa Stansfield, people like that. So if you think, what, what's cold cut like? You know, just think of Doctor in the house, and we've got Adbind Fire Aid, you can, and all the housey stuff. Uh, right. and it's them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not my thing then. No. In at number twenty-two is Ukrainski Vistup versus John Apila. By the wedding present. Okay. So this is a very strange thing. This is the Ukrainian John Peel Sessions by the wedding present. It's a compilation album. Okay. Gathering their first three Ukrainian language John Peel radio sessions. Because the wedding present's guitarist, Peter Solovka, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, whose father is Ukrainian, he used to play a Ukrainian folk tune called Hopak to entertain his friends. Okay. And he did so during a radio session. The band was recording for the BBC One radio John Peel show. They decided to record the song for the session. It was really well. And they did loads more, basically. Because none of them <laughs> could sing easy. Ukrainian to any acceptable decree, they decided to invite fellow Leeds musician, the legendary Len Liggins of the Sinister Cleaners, who had read Russian at university to sing and play various instruments. <laughs> Good old Len Liggins of the Sinister Cleaners. <laughs> this is so random. Do you, can you speak Russian? Yeah, well, come and do this singing for us. Mad that, but that was the power of John Peel, though, isn't it? John Peel, John Peel could do that. Go, you know what? Let's do this. It's amazing. Never yeah. do that now. No, you wouldn't ever get anything like that going. Uh, and at number 29 is One by the Bee Gees. They should have called it 18, shouldn't they? 18th studio <laughs> album. It's <laughs> crazy. 18. Amazing songwriters and everything else. And funnily enough, as it happened, I was watching a clip on YouTube of the infamous Clive Anderson interview 
with the Bee Gees where they get really ma- he insults them essentially to their faces over a short period and because he's kind of trying to be funny it was he was quite new to doing that kind of thing he was an ex-solicitor I think wasn't he Clive Anderson at the time yeah um, and he interviews all the three Bee Gees that were alive at the time and at one point he calls them tossers um <laughs> Did he say that was the name of their bat? Their original they was, bat. They were, called, they were known as yeah. They were known as Le Tossers, and he said, "You'll always be Tossers to me." And then, and there's just little digs all the way through at them. And it, I think he's he's actually going for trying to be sort of quirky, funny. But it, you can see that Morris Gibb he's actually getting quite offended by what he's saying, and he's you know he's starting to, and then it gets really awkward. And then Morris Gibb just says, stands up, takes his microphone off, and says, "You're the Tosser pal," and walks off. And then. <laughs> The, the other the other BGs sort of sit look at each other awkwardly as well. I think we best best call it a day. Then takes his microphone off and that's it. They end the interview ten minutes in by just walking off. And they never were interviewed by them again ever by Clive Anderson again ever. They never I'm spoke. Not surprised. To it's just it's it's quite odd that. to watch it when you see it now that it even happened that way and that they bro- they broadcast it that way. And the BGs don't come o- come over as anything other than some somebody people who were genuinely got on there for good reasons and they're just being got at by Clive Anderson for reasons that are not very really clear. You know, he just sort of basically says you know calls them shit and says they're a bit crap and on the, on the one hand on the other hand he's also saying you know you guys have had amazing hits and and all the rest of it but it all feels a little bit like um they're a bit passive he's, he's very passive aggressive in what he's saying and and uh, you know don't anger if you if you anger one bg you anger all three so you know, yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah. like a, they're a hive mind so, <laughs> you anger the three g's exactly well, that's how I communicate back then of course we <laughs> didn't know what how they did it nowadays we know that it was just the 3G wire that they'd been implanted in all of their skulls. <laughs> Absolutely. Which means there's 5Gs now, five of them. Well, there is, well, yeah, you know, sadly, that you know, they were 4G, one of the Gs died, and then it was back to 3G again, and uh, yeah, it's a true. complicated matter. Now there's, God. I think, 1G. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? There's just a G. Yeah, OG. Yeah, um, G. Yeah. <laughs> and at number 31 is the Headless, Cro- uh, Headless Cross by Black Sabbath. Ugh. From the smoke he appears. <laughs> yeah. The 14th studio album. album. And I, I get it. So Because this was the kind of their big comeback album from... This album is not Aussie and it's not all of that. This is, you know, a whole new direction. This is the birth of Spinal Tap Mark II. We hope you enjoy our new direction, isn't it? Got Cozy Powell on drums. I, I get it. It's just, for me, it's... Because I like Sabbath. I like the fa- I like how they sounded. And this sounds like it's too derivative of other bands around at that time. So it sounds less Sabbathy and just more like everything else, which is the kind of thing you don't want from them. Now, mm. I like the fact that they had that kind of heavy, not industrial, but heavy metal sound was invented with Sabbath. It's kind of their thing. And so they had that kind of, you know, weightiness. The fact that they, you know, the guitarist had tops of his fingers sliced off at one point tells you how, how eccentric a band that actually is. And he played with like metal tips on his fingers and all that. So that kind of the tonality of that sound, when you listen to this stuff, it just doesn't sound as good as that. And it's, I get it because it's, you know, they've got to you know move on and become other things and, and sort of diversify a little bit and, and all of that. And I get it. But for me, it loses its Sabbath-ness and I'm, and I'm just not, I'm not, you know, mom for... I don't particularly like it when, and they, it gets worse and worse as they progress with more stuff after this. So until sort of they bring, they regroup again, I think later down the line, but I don't know. What did, yeah. you, did you listen to it? Do you like it? No, 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 no. It's not enough. for me. It's not for me at all. And at number 36 is Blaze of Glory by Joe Jackson. The Dude. 10th studio album by English rock and roll singer, Joe Jackson. 10. Popular, really. Never heard of him. Very politically motivated, isn't he, Joe Jackson? He is. I'd listen know. to his track on this, Tomorrow's World. <sighs> yeah, it's been so, around a while. Yeah. Not, not for me, that's for sure. 30th of April, number one was Blast by Holly Johnson, which we've yeah. already spoken about. 
Big fan. Um, in at number 15 was Past Present by Clanad. <laughs> Not Clanad. It's, it's a compilation album by them. It's a collection of selected songs recorded by the band from 1982 to 89. It includes two new songs exclusive to the release, uh, which was The Hunter and World of Difference. I listened okay. to The Hunter was not very good and in answer to your question yeah. here they do a song with bono i think on this one yeah they do yeah oh goodness it was that i knew there was one somewhere lurking around <laughs> bound to be. So. The, only, the, the track on this though it's got it's got robin the hooded man on it robin, oh, it the hooded man the hooligan the as i thought it said for a while the hooded man <laughs> it took a I lot of writing to, that did it i used to listen to the um robin is sherwood soundtrack I used to love it <laughs> yeah it's same to be fair it, it was one of the, my dad had very few albums. He was not, you know, he acted, he liked a very small range. He liked Beatles, some Beatles, Paul McCartney and Wings for reasons that nobody could explain. And he liked Clannad. So we, for, there was, oh, and he liked Steel Eye Span. So periodically, they're just this, that's what we had on. And you know, if, if he decided he was listening to any of those, TV was off, stereo was on, the record player was on. If you came into the lounge, you were in there listening to it. And that was, there was no choice. So, <laughs> and when Robin of, Sherwood or whatever it was called was Robin of Sherwood when it, when it, it came was, on yeah, TV yeah. with it with with the original was it what was his name was it Michael Pride or Prade Michael or Prade yeah, Prade yeah. when it was originally he was well into that and this soundtrack really complemented his kind of you know I think he was a folky at, at heart really somewhere along the mm. line Steel Eye Span and Clannad I mean goodness me he's like yeah. that's the twin folk bands of evil isn't it you can't <laughs> Because Steel Eye Span were, well, Steel Span became universally loathed by the folkies, didn't they? Because they introduced they? electric instruments into folk, yeah. <gasps> them and um, Fair, not, I was going to say Fairground Attraction, but it's not, it's the other so one. That's Fergal like Sharky. That. What they're called, um, Fairport Convention? Fairport Convention. Um, Fairport Convention and Steel Eye Span, they were both folk bands, but they used electric instruments. Well, that ain't folk, is it? But they're, I mean, they're amazing. You, know, you got to. Can't really argue how good they are at that kind of stuff if you like it, but no, not for me. Not for and me. Well, but Robin Hood loved it. He loved it, didn't he? Robin Hood was a great stuff. soundtrack. It's great. I used to listen to that. I always, great. Think, I always think to myself, did they go to Robin Hood and go, right, here's your song, and he's going, is there any more lyrics to this? You know, okay, I get it. Robin Hood, the hooded man, yeah. Is there anything else? I, no. I fire arrows. I've defeated, you know. <laughs> Sheriff of Nottingham, not... are you going to mention any of that? You know, Bravely Bold Sir Robin is probably a better song at this point in time than this one. <laughs> no. It's all about her and the hunter and stuff. A bit of mysticism, weirdness. But don't say, her, the hunter, the hunted <laughs> <Did> man. It... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Every Conad song is just that. So so are you going to write any more lyrics to these songs? Because at the minute we've got Bob the Builder, the building man, and it's, you know, we're never hiring you again. <laughs> Imagine if Bob the Builder had a Clannad soundtrack. Bob the Builder, the building man. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> Fireman Sam, the, the fireman. Fire <laughs> Postman Pat, the posty man. <laughs> the posty man. <laughs> anyway, number 24 is Born This Way by the Cookie Crew. Oh, British rap. Yeah, their debut album. There's a picture of sort the of thing that Brown Sauce would be getting all giddy over, no doubt. Very giddy. Uh, and finally, at number 39 is Silvertown by the Men They Couldn't Hang, their fourth studio album. Uh, I want to like them, but I, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't have to. You don't have to like everything. Uh, there we go. That's your albums. Some good, some bad, some meh. <laughs> that's what it is. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. We still have four games to get through in, in this part and this week, so uh, please do stick around, and we'll get to those in a moment. And we're back. Let's get into our first game. It is Butcher Hill. Pat Butcher's Ooh. Hill. Oh, God, no. Or Ricky that. Butcher's Hill. 
or what was the dad's name? Frank. Frank Butcher's Frank, Hill. Frank Butcher. Pat. Hey, Pat. 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 What are you hey, doing at my hill? Get off my hill. <laughs> this is Butcher Hill <laughs> from Gremlin Graphics. Comes Butcher Hill. Mm. Full mm. price as well. Nine ninety nine. Gremlin Graphics. Nine ninety nine. Mm. No budget stuff here. This was developed by Imagitech Design, (laughs) coded by Axel, who, going by the games listed on Lemon, seems to be still coding games and music for the C64 to this day. He's had a load come out for ProTivision, I think, and stuff like that. So I don't don't know, but cracking on. Good stuff. This has got graphics by Radar, Steve, Mick, and Chris. Weren't they the uh, Dave Morris 5 or something or whatever back in the... uh, Back in the 60s, whatever it was. I thought they were in that, was that American military show where they were on that Miami base. Oh, uh, MASH. Ra- that's Radar. Yeah, MASH. Yeah. The, I was going to say, it's the characters of MASH, almost. It could be. It's Well, MASH. Gets MASH. That's the Bob the Builder reference again, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> that Adrian's just malfunctioned. <laughs> some way I can't explain. <laughs> I didn't know that he'd been hypnotising, and that's what, that triggered that. But now we know we'll avoid it. <laughs> we might need to put a link in the show notes there to where a match gets smash advert so that our international listeners have any clue what we are on about. Oh, I, could you see, now I thought you were doing an impersonation of Spud from Bob the Builder. because no, that scarecrow. He, he talks like that. Smash. Mash, you said. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was because they had that, yeah, the robot things. Yeah, yeah. And then they mash it with it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they smash it two bits. That was a yeah, smash, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mash gets smashed. Dehydrated potato. Is there anything more delicious? <laughs> no. Anyway, we'll stick a note. We'll stick up, we'll stick up, find a link. And anyway, this music that's this by Ben Daglish. This is Butcher Ooh. Hill. We'll come back to Butcher Hill. There's not much in the way of story for this, but I have a hunch that this may have been inspired in part by Platoon and also by the 1987 film Hamburger Hill somehow, in that you have to make your way via three levels into Vietnam, Platoon, and carry out your assault on the titular Butcher Hill, Hamburger Hill. So uh, mm. I don't know why, but there's no real reason why. It's just one man goes to mow a meadow and just ends up going up Butcher Hill <laughs> for some strange reason. May no well. idea. Uh, maybe left a sandwich there. I don't know. Uh, who knows? <laughs> anyway, it's a three-part game, with each section being very distinct and being its also its own load. So from the start, there's a good level of presentation here. It's got a nice opening section, giving you some nice top and bottom borderless credits. If they are a little bit flickery at the top, not almost there, but it's nice to see that see. Sort of scrolling up uh, with the title of the game and the credits and some brief instructions scrolling up in a nice big font uh, and some good music by Mr. Daglish. I did like this. I thought I sat watching this. I thought, this is quite impressive. They stop in the middle and they scroll back up. It's like, nice, nice, nice cinematic feel. Pressing the space bar though loads up the first section. And again, we get a quite uh, decent title screen for this. Some multicolored text outlining the section telling us what we've got to do and some big army trucks scrolling across the top. Which is very odd when the first section, there's no army trucks at all in this game, I don't think. So I don't know why they're there. So, but anyway, but it's nice. It's, a, it's got a very army feel to it. And there's a scrolling high score list above that as well. First impressions are good. So here, so it was, I was thinking, yeah, this is quite nice. Gremlin game. Feeling yeah. all right, this, you know, nice stuff. Into the game then. And what we have here is a bit. So the, I'm going to talk about these sections in in bit and I'll come sort of uh, whatever. So the first uh, the, uh, first bit, it's a bit live and let die. Yeah, <laughs> this, that boat race bit. Yeah, not yeah which is, it's not what I was expecting at all. I was like, oh, okay, there was army trucks and stuff, but suddenly we're, you, you've got to steer your motorized dinghy down a river and land at one of the three jetties that appear as you pro- progress. So the play area of this takes up about half the screen. It's got the river and landscape at the bottom and a very 
weird sky, very 80s blue and red sky at the top of the window. It's like um, like the Tony Scott filter has been applied to the uh, sky. Feels like you're sort of going in at nighttime or sort of early dusk, whatever. It's a nice attempt to do something a bit different rather than just sort of floating blue. But it's really weird. Clouds float across. There's some nice bits and bobs. At the bottom, you've got the UI. Uh, this shows the timer on a watch, which is weird because it doesn't start counting down until level two. It's got your stamina. <laughs> and score and the lives left of which you start with three there's also a space and indicator for the for your ammo and when you collect that as well uh and there's a pack as well which i didn't quite understand because i couldn't i found instructions for this but they were dead hard to read and they didn't really explain a lot they tell you what each bit does but they don't really explain a lot of what you've actually got to do so controls pressing forward gets us going now that is important to remember whenever you crash in this and you blow up Press forward gets you going straight away. Just remember that. The controls are simply enough. Left and right to steer. That's it, really. There's no speed up that I could think that I could find. Or slow down. It's kind of like that eliminator in a way. As you progress, you'll see various things on the river, both good and bad. You can pick up ammo supplies. Everything looks the same, though, so it's a bit hard sometimes to sort of pass what is good and what is bad. So you can pick up ammo supplies uh, and health which will recharge your stamina a small amount. Uh, there are also rocks, which will bounce you up into the air quite far, and they also take a small amount of your stamina away. And there are sort of what look like leaves or sort of grass as well poking up, and that bounces mm. you a little small amount. There are also mines, which blow you up and cost a large section of your stamina. But once you've got some ammo, holding down the fire button allows you to shoot these with a crosshair that appears. You basically just move your crosshair over them and you instantly fire and your bullets go down or whatever. So that's quite handy. There are also planes that fly across, some from left to right and some come straight in. Some drop supplies uh, that you can collect while others strafe you. And if they hit you, they also blow you up and cost you a big chunk of uh, damage as well. Um, once you've lost all your stamina, you lose one of your three lives. Should you lose all your three lives, it is game over. Should you manage to make it to one of the jetties, supposedly... Then we're on to level two, landfall. I'll come to a problem I had with this later. Second screen, so this is separate load. The screen layout is the same, so you've got that UI at the bottom, but the game is now a really rather decent 3D, almost first-person shooter. Not too dissimilar to the second level of Platoon, but I thought a little bit better. Pushing forward moves you through the level, like in that 3D sort of, almost like Scarabaeus in a way, that sort of scarabaeus type speeds and you're kind of going through the jungle um back turns you 100 degree 80 degrees left and right turns you 90 degrees in that direction and you can also use the um diagonals as well to kind of swerve to the left and right as you're moving through the jungle and it's not the thing what i liked about this is it's not all straight lines so there's wider sections and you go around so you have to go around trees and stuff so it's not like we've seen these like we saw in platoon it was just the sort of the it was the tunnels, wasn't it? So it's very straight. You went forward and then you turned and it was very straight and there was no swerving. This is wider, the wider than your actual view is. So you have to actually move to the left and right. Quite nice, quite good. Really impressive, I thought. And I thought holding up moves you really pretty fast through the jungle. First of all, I was just tapping forward and I was like, oh, this is not too bad, but it's a bit weird. And then I held forward, it went all the way. I was like, wow, that's, that's really quite impressive. That's not bad at all. Uh, yeah, so you do that. You'll also come across clearings. And when you come to a clearing, soldiers will pop up whack-a-mole style from the ground. You've got to shoot them. You've got a crosshair that comes out. It's not too hard. Shoot them all. You get bonus items like um, ammo and stuff like that. There are also mines on the floor, big chunky mines, and you've got to hold down the fire button and move your crosshair over them and shoot them. You don't want to get blown up. That costs you stamina. And you have to basically make it to the northeast. It's quite hard point to get your night get turned around, but that's where you've got to do. Um, if you make it through this level, then you're at the village for the third load. Uh, and again, this is another odd one. It's a third-person Operation Wolf-style scrolling affair. Very weird. Your character's at the bottom of the screen, and the village which you must fight through scrolls to the left and right as you're going back and forth. The enemies popping up for you to 
to shoot. So it's like Operation Wolf, but you can see your, your character. Controls again are simple, left and right to run and fire, to bring up your crosshair and shoot. However, when I was playing this, did try it a few times. After about 20 seconds of this level, my copy just kept locking up. I couldn't mm. get very far into it. So I'm out of, it is what it is. I could see what it was. And the other thing as well with this game, I don't think it's very well known. Finding instructions was a bit of a pain. There's no full playthrough of this that I could find for the C612 version on uh, YouTube. So for those uh, who listen to us that do playthroughs, well, you know, Butcher Hill is crying out for one, I think. There you go. Try and play through this. So so I could never say if I captured Butcher Hill because it kept locking up, so I couldn't do that. So, yeah, that's your three sections, and there you go. It's a bit of a big mixed bag, this one. There's some nice touches, mm-hmm. but overall, it's just a bit annoying to be really enjoyable. The boat section's rather dull, goes on forever, and no matter what I did, when those jetties appeared, which are just what I thought were fences, I just kept crashing into them. It says in the instructions when you... Come up to the jetty, you just have to press fire to stop at one. Nope, I couldn't, couldn't for love no money do it. And they, they're so far apart, it takes ages. So you're just meandering down this waterway, trying to avoid mines and bouncing and collecting stuff and trying to keep alive. Really boring. goes on for far too long. But it also says in the instructions that if you stop at the first jetty, then you won't have found enough um, equipment or something for the next sections but it's it's really not very good it's, it's the worst section i thought anyway but by far the best section is the second one with that really smart 3d effect as you move through the jungle it's quite actually quite tense i found as sort of soldiers pop out and pop down and you got to shoot them quickly i, I quite enjoy i really quite enjoyed this bit the controls are decent um and anyway, it is a ripoff of platoon but i think it stretches out and it sort of takes that platoon section and makes it into something else i think this is really quite decent um, and I would have almost liked to have seen the full game, just three levels of this, or maybe something. I think it would have been better rather than the stuff that we got. Um, the third section, small part I played, a bit basic. Um, and I'm not sure a third-person Operation Wolf is something anyone wanted. I don't really know if there's... No. Really. <laughs> I suppose the only one I could think of sort of thing similar is like Cabal or something, but that doesn't scroll, does it? I don't think. But anyway, it, it's, it looks... It's that. I'm not sure it went. Uh, and the graphics in that part were also a bit bland. There's a lot of yellow, a lot of yellow. Uh, simple huts in the distance as well. It got 52%. I'd say that's about right. The subject matter's a little off, you know, with politics of you going into Vietnam, but it doesn't try and glory up any with any kind of narrative. You're not gung-ho or anything. It's just, is there's no narrative. There's no story. You're just going to go go take Butcher Hill. It's kind of like Beachhead in that respect. Yeah. Because Beachhead is the same sort of thing where you, you do multiple different little things to try and take that, try and take down the dictator and that, try and that thing. So it's felt a little bit, bit Beachhead is in structure, but it's what it is. It could be set anywhere, this. As a package... It's not terrible. It's not terrible. If you, but it's it's a bit painfully average because I don't think the three sections are not equal in quality. Um, but if you can manage to make it past the boring water section, then the second level is tense and enjoyable, and that's probably where it gets its score. As the rest is just a bit bland. There's some nice presentation around the edges. Three distinct sections that do, I guess, tie together into a functional game. They do tell a narrative. It's like you know, you you go in on the water and then you creep through the jungle and then you get to the village and take it over. Very platoon like. But it, you know. But it, so there is that tying it all together. It's just not that exciting to play apart from that middle bit. Um, and I think could have done with some fine tuning. And I think jettison parts one and three and making the full game from part two. But I don't know. It is what it is. It's not terrible, but it's not brilliant either. What did you think? Pretty much bang on the same, really. It's a bit odd. I didn't like the boat chase level, really. I, I, I was giving flashbacks of the conical race from Singe's Castle. As soon as I'm in a boat and I'm trundling towards a you know, a boat waterfall or anything like that or anything that vaguely resembles it. I start breaking out in a cold sweat. <laughs> and and also reminded me of that god-awful the Bond game, the Live and Let yeah, Die. Yeah, Live like and Let say. Die, yeah, yeah. So just, I just, and that wasn't a pleasing experience. So 
and it just seemed to go on forever. And it was very fidgety, wasn't it? it wasn't yeah. very pleasant, a bit jumpy, fidgety. The whole thing felt a little bit like that, if I was honest. I like, I mean, don't get me wrong. In the second sort of FPS-ish, 3D-ish thing, very clever idea to try. I mean, you know, all credit to them for trying something a bit different. I mean, we've seen it kind of before, but in um, Platoon, mm. but but all credit for them for trying to do something. And it does, you know, it is that kind of proto-Doom feel to it and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, yeah. okay, not bad idea. And with, you know, is it going back to the kind of, you know, 3D monster maze type notion of that kind of thing? Maybe it is. But again, not a bad idea to try it and sort of theme it up a bit. It was okay, worthy of the attempt. But did it piece together with the first game? No, not really. No. I, know. I mean, thematically, yeah, I get it, but it didn't feel like this was a coherent journey in a game. And the final stage, even weirder, because then you're in, you know, Operation Budget Wolf, you know, Aldi Wolf, Operation Aldi Wolf. <laughs> so it's like a, you know, poor man's Operation Wolf. And I wasn't a big fan of Operation Wolf. So again, I felt like I had to work hard at that last level to try and enjoy it because yeah, it just yeah. felt bitty and, and you know, just a bit under underdeveloped. Isn't that, and hasn't that classically been the problem with Gremlin games? They try and cram so much in to give you value, which isn't a bad thing, but they never finish things off properly. That's not a good thing. And then you mm. get in, you know, you get in sort of where they're trying new things and trying new ways of play, new modes of play. That's a good thing. But then it feels like there's no coherence between any of the things that they've given you. So that's a bad thing. So you sort of, you, you flip-flopping all the time between it being, you think, oh, okay, you know, hats off for trying, but it's not very good. Oh, okay, let's play Operation Wolf. Oh, it's budget version. Let's play the, you know, the boat game. Why is this even here? Why am I even doing this bit? What's it mm-hmm. for? What's the purpose? And you realise that, isn't this the problem with quite a few of the recent Gremlin games that have been multi-part sort of part games, is that they're disjointed. They don't, they're, most of the sort of game parts don't feel like they're part of a more coherent whole, which is something that Platoon didn't have a problem with. So the music I found was okay, but on the warbly side of okay, you know, lots of arpeggiated warble going on here. Mm-hmm. But it's better than the most recent Ben Daglish stuff we've had, so he's kind of a bit more back on you know, on the form you know he can be. But my main issue with the game overall was that there was I found some of the controls were buggy. There was bugs in there, um, and occasional bugs. The levels were really difficult as well, <laughs> just endless yeah. in some instances and open, pointlessly. And sometimes they're difficult because they're they're gone for so long. You're like, is this ever going to end? And I'm getting bored, and, and and that's never a good thing. You're defeated by boredom before you're defeated by the enemies. It needed to gel more, like I said, to hold it together. Um, it just felt like three games interlinked. Um, and you know, as much as I like a good interlink, this isn't the way I would have perhaps done it. It doesn't feel coherent enough. And also, and I'm just this is a bugbear of mine since the you know since Green Beret, we've kind of decided on the military typeface. We've decided on it since Green Beret and Commando. We know what military typeface looks like. Don't put weird outlined bubble fonts onto a military game. It doesn't work. <laughs> no one wanted it. No one likes it. It's rubbish. Don't do it. Don't ever do that again. Don't do it. Military type typefaces. If you need an example, just go and look at Green Beret. Perfectly good, or Rambo, or Commando, or anything else that has the kind of standard military typeface for a game. They all do it. Don't try and break from that because it doesn't work. It just makes it look stupid and like ice cream. So, no. (laughs) So, don't try and do that either. That's just, you know, just a telling off. That's a typeface category one cock up. The rest of the game, what was it, 52%? It's bang on, isn't it? It's not offensive or bad, but none of the games are that great. They're all kind of 50%. So, eh, I, I, I I didn't hate it, but neither did I enjoy it. So. Yeah, there we go. Butcher Hill. Ricky! 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 There we go. <laughs> Where's me sandwich? Um, <laughs> let's move along. Let's move along then into our next one. We've got three games to, to get through this week. 
And that's over to you, Graham, for a little bit of Motor Massacre. Well, it's Gremlin again. It no, is Gremlin not again. Not once that they come along with two things. Motor Massacre, 995 from Gremlin, published uh, by them, obviously. Developer was Distinctive Software. It's distinctive, all right. Maybe not in the ways you imagine. <laughs> um, concept is Chris Gray. The coder was Darren E. Shebeck. And the graphics were Tony Lee. Oh, and the musician, of course, again, uh, Ben Daglish. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of story to this. And that tells you something right away. Um, I'll give you this, the 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 top the top down lowdown of the first bit because I'm not going to go into the the full blown crazy description. The Holocaust has come, laying to waste cities, continents, and civilization. Out of the devastation emerges a breed of survivors, merciless in their greed for simple possessions. Now I'm just going to pause for a moment. Have they been watching Mad Max? I think they might have been. <laughs> just saying. Um, out of the devastation emerges a breed of survivors merciless in their greed for simple possessions, yes. Barbaric in their thirst for power and dominance. And gasoline. No, shh, shut up. Not gasoline. <laughs> to live even a day is hell. <laughs> to achieve fame and wealth is deadly. Why those things? Why is fame deadly? I don't know. Anyway. You must fight your way to the demon dome and then compete in the most horrifying carnival of motor destruction ever conceived, forcing your opponents into the endless chasms of darkness for you emerge supreme gladiator, supreme that is, until the next round of Motor Massacre. You don't get a lot about what this game actually is from that. It sounds quite intriguing. There's a little bit of Mad Max, a little bit of Mad Max in there, a bit more Mad Max for good measure. Um, So it says in the introduction for this, before the great biological holocaust, you led a wildlife chasing down creeps. It paid good too, but that was then. And now you've settled down to a quiet life in the last remaining city on the face of the earth. Sure, sometimes it can be a little too quiet, but one thing's for sure, life here is better than life on the outside. Out there, it's just one big mutant mess. Mm. It all started, listen, it's just like reminding me, so you get your uh, get the um, airplane two out there, they sort of get your fuel out. <laughs> it all started when that menace, Dr. A. Noid, annoyed, Dr. Annoyed. Uh... I, 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 I'm going to say it again, Dr. Annoyed. I knew, I knew you'd hate that. <laughs> Thought he could strike it rich by pawning off that vile food substitute, slew. He knew exactly what, I'm guessing, slew would do to anyone who ate it. This reminds me of slurm. Horribly, if you insert slurm into that. After you get hooked on the stuff, you don't care about anything except finding more of that slew slime. Real food is in short supply, so he thought he'd add new meaning to the phrase, cornering the market. You don't need to add more meaning to that phrase, it's pretty clear. (laughs) Anyway... That doesn't even make any sense. (laughs) That mad little green guy took over life, if that's what you want to call it, on the outside and has made it his own demented playground. Now everyone is trapped in their cities. I thought there was only one city remaining. A minute ago, there's only one city remaining, just saying. Unable to break free from the mad doctor's grip. He's not the mad doctor. Well, that's doctor annoyed. Of slimy slew addiction. In his cities, killer cars... Watch out for the killer cars, everybody. (laughs) 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 Killer Killer cars cruise the streets. Just looking for a guy like you to smash to bits. I'm going to smash your boy. Unless the cars aren't sentient. (laughs) No, they're not. In the abandoned buildings, strung out zombie mutants roam the halls, searching for a healthy victim to contaminate. The only way out of this freak show is to smash your way through its demolition derby fight to the death. Who should? Why should you even care what happens to that schizoid doctor? Your city is the last one untouched by that wacko, and life's okay, even if it can be a little dull. Life isn't okay. You've just said it's a mutant mess outside, and everyone's addicted to, to a, some kind of chemical drink. Well, word is out that a nice price has just been put on Dr. Noid's head 
and you could just use the dough. Besides, who? it's just your line of work. Who's put the price on his head? Don't ask complicated questions. Um, <laughs> it comes time to break out the tools of your trade, your leather jacket, cool shades, ammo-packed pistol, <laughs> and your tools. ATV. That's, that's wardrobe. <laughs> they're, the tools, they're the tools of his trade. What's his trade? That's the question. Um, I don't know. He's, he's got his ammo pack pistol. I think that's what he calls it. Should we just leave it there? Uh, and your ATV. <laughs> What's your trade? I'm a stunt double for Knight Rider. Exactly. Um, so he's got his armoured tactical vehicle, his ATV. This ain't no ordinary ATV either. It's equipped with a high-powered gun. That would be an armoured vehicle then. So it is exactly what you said it is. And... And a built-in ram car. There's no explanation of what that is. <laughs> and I don't want to know. Um, which is going... Now, this will crack you up, baby. It says it's going to come in mighty handy. It's a mighty handy item. I've actually got one. A real one. That's in there. It's that, come that, I, didn't, I didn't write that. It's going to come in mighty handy. It's a smash-up demolition derbies. Spelt so badly wrong that it's actually offending my eyes that they've spelt it like derbies like that. How have they spelled it? It's D-E-R-B-I-E-S. Oh. Anyway. So crank that baby up and shift into high, okay? You're on a road to destruction and there's no turning back. You're not, though. Are you ready to leave the safety of the last uncontaminated city in search for a demented mad doctor guided by an army of ruthless mutants? You better believe it. Had I? Better believe what? <sighs> Ask me a question. No. <laughs> anyway, your mission then is, it says, this. Is, I'm gonna. I'm not going to go well for, I promise I won't go for all of this because there's loads more, but I just want to, I need to go for these bits because the, the game itself needs this contextualization. <laughs> This is your mission. Well, you can't back out now. <laughs> it was your idea. You're trapped inside the first city you come to, and it doesn't look pretty. Dr. Annoyed has set up an elaborate ring of protection around himself. You've got to fight your way through three cities to reach the head honcho himself. This isn't going to be your run-of-the-mill bounty hunting job. Survival is the name of the game in this world, and the odds are stacked against you. Your charm and wit won't get you through this one, so you better make sure you find the supplies to get you through this alive. Money doesn't mean a thing around here, but food does. Any food you find can be traded for gas, repairs, ammo, weapons, you name it. But first, you've got to find some. As you cruise the streets, keep your eyes peeled for entrances to buildings. Your search isn't going to be easy an easy one. Um, you've got to fight your way through the streets with kamikaze cars hot on your tail. Inside the buildings, you'll find food, weapons, tools for your car. And if you're lucky, an arena pass that will get you into the arena at the city's gate. And that's not all you'll find. Armies of slimy mutants are waiting to get their hands on a guy like you. I don't like the way they worded that. Sure, you've got a gun, but if you run into one of those goons, well, let's just say you won't exactly be the picture of health. Once you've got the arena pass, find the arena where Dr. Annoyed stages demolition contests between his toughest mutants and anyone who's crazy enough to try and take them on. Sounds like you're kind of fun. If you make it through the arena... You'll be in the next city in your search for Dr. Noid. If you make it through to the third city, you're not just lucky, but crazy too. You've still got Dr. Annoyed to put away. He's waiting in the last arena, ready to give you the challenge of your life. I'm not going to go into any more of it. It does explain what your ATV Please can don't. do <laughs> and what a ram car is. But it's just written in, and there's, there's a whole bunch of, I mean, there's even more. There's, it's, there's entire dialogue around the streets, what happens in the streets, what goes on in the buildings. It's all very elaborate and all completely pointless. Yeah, pointless. All of it. So fundamentally, this is this is a game set in the future in a futuristic city under the grip of a killer drug with criminals rampaging everywhere. That sounds a bit like RoboCop to me. RoboCop Two as well, a little bit RoboCopy that. So it's yeah, Mad yeah. Max meets RoboCop. And in terms of games, this is Mad Max with a sousson of Last V8 about it. If you think about think of it along that yeah. sort of Mad Max meets Last V8 meets that kind of thing, you're in the right sort of territory ish. 
And so another day goes by, of course, and it's yet another top-down driving game controlled, as always these things are, with up-down for forward accelerate and back for reverse, of course, left-right rotational controls. Mm-mm. What I love <laughs> is the good rotational control in game from a top-down view of a car. Nothing thrills me more, I tell you. And I suppose you could, you could argue things start with a decent enough title screen, okay? Some thumpy, dramatic music, yes. And then you press fire... And you're on the quest to get the dreaded Dr. Annoyed. All f- that flowery narrative and all that excitement of all that instructions, put that to one side. What you end up doing is driving a small car around a maze-like city map looking for entrances or fruit. Um, <laughs> your mission is to find weapons and things to, to, I say upgrade your ATV, but all you really do is get more ammo or food to trade for more ammo. It's really weird. You think you'd <laughs> get other things, but you don't. What you really need is the arena pass. You can go to the arena, shoot the cars that are in the arena, which you can do, by the way, without having an arena pass, but it doesn't let you continue if you don't have the arena pass. And then you get to the next city map and just do the same thing over again. Your screen for the city sort of car part is two-thirds game window and one-third UI. The view is top-down, of course, with your ATV more or less in the middle of of that part of the view. Roads, buildings, and the general routes and map will reveal as you drive around um, in this sort of this multi-scroll kind of way. The UI tells you the weapons you have remaining, your current health, fuel status, and speed in miles per hour. It doesn't look terrible, this bit. It doesn't look crap crap. It's not amazing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look crap crap. It's just a tad under shed. Well, it's a lot under shaded. So the game window graphics, they're compared to, I think they're not, they're not as good as something like Fifth Gear was. That had quite nice sort of graphic detail. This is more like that other rubbish one we played last time. So similar in view to that stunt car. Yeah, yeah, stunt, yeah. Stunt car simulator type, type idea. But it's a little bit bigger, a bit more controllable maybe than the last V8 as well. So there's a last V8-ness about it, but it isn't as manic and stupid as that and so difficult. As you speed up, you'll start to explore the map and roads using the joystick, as I said, to control your ATV. Enemies will sometimes cross your path, though I have to say I found this game was pretty empty on the whole. I don't know if you found that. And mm-hmm. when you do meet people, you can just blast them. There are hazards on the road, mines, oil slicks that affect your controls and bumping into things will reduce your health or your energy or vehicle, vehicle health. Top speed here doesn't feel uncontrollable, I suppose, which is a plus. So you, once you start going to high speed, it's not that fast. <laughs> so it's just mm. kind of like, yeah, fast. It's not yeah, fast. It's meh. <laughs> so it's not quite fast. Um, so, but without much to do or engage with, it just feels like you're driving around a map relatively simply, really, looking for entrance ways, which are really stupidly pixel accurate to try and get into. So mm-hmm. when you see one, you'll think, I'm just going to slow down and go in there. You'll go, yeah, bam. Oh, sorry, not quite right. Reverse, go forward a bit. Ah, bam. Oh, it's not quite in there. And then you'll slowly go in and go, yep, you're in. And then it, then the load begins. So there are some places that you can interact with, things like garages for fuel and fuel stops and things like that. There is the arena, of course, as well, which you'll come across. But it's all just, you know, it, unless you've got the arena pass, it's pretty pointless. So it's, this is the quest for the pass, really. But you suppose you can shoot the cars if you want to, if you come across any. You'll hear them. You'll be driving around, you'll hear cars. You don't know where it's coming from, nope. which is kind of a bit disturbing. And then when you do find those entrances and you step, you drive your car into them, so you don't get out of your car and walk in, you drive your car in, which is, you know, conspicuous. You'll get the second game. There's a load, of course, because things always have to load in a Gremlin game. And you'll drop into the second view, which is a completely different sort of view control. Um, there's names like Pandy's Pork Palace uh, and places you can visit in this game. So I dro- I stopped off for a, a, a God knows what in Pandy's Pork Palace. I don't even want to think what goes on in there. Um, <laughs> and a separate load later, you're in, you go into the building. The view is much more like a maze, only now you control a single color man sprite. Uh, the top third is, again, the game window with odd color choices for the walls and such. And a word of advice, don't immediately use the exit by pressing left or you'll suffer the horrific load reload problem. And that'll anger you like it angered me. Um, and you probably will do that by accident a lot. At the bottom of the screen, the UI has altered now. So you've now got a health bar, your weapon listed and some info space. 
adjacent to this is your ammo count, number of keys and food collected, and to the right of that, some blue squares in a rectangle. Don't know what that was. Probably something, <laughs> but no idea. No idea what that was. The aim of this part of the game is to navigate around the building looking for stuff. Food, keys, weapons, and even the arena pass. Joystick controls your explorer, and you will immediately notice he has possibly the heaviest sounding walk cycle of all time. I mean, either his shoes are lead-lined, or that guy is busting staircases because he's got the heaviest feet in the universe, or heavy shoes. Either way, you'll thud, 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 thud around. Periodically, you'll get attacked, followed by green versions of yourself. Um, If they get even near you, they reduce your energy. They're really annoying. And you'll also come across pitfalls as well, like locked doors, food and keys that are behind those, and all that kind of thing. There's also pits that you can fall down. Think of it like a really empty and lonely gauntlet mixed with a hint of impossible mission, uh, where you Mm. thud around kind of empty spaces, shooting the odd greenie and picking up stuff now and again. And then when you're done and assuming that you've not found the arena pass, you return to the exit, get back get back in your car and loading happens and then off we go again. The graphics for that section are pretty basic for a 1989 game. We've seen loads of variations of this kind of thing with way more details, way more enemies, way more difficulty, way more excitement. That that kind of walking around a maze shooting stuff has been done loads and better. It's pretty mm-hmm. empty and very lame graphics in that. It's not not developed very well at all. So there is a large map to explore, I guess, because it felt large. It might not be, but it did feel it because it all looks kind of the same. So you just kind of wander around. It, had a, it reminded me of that going back way back to the beginnings, the days of the podcast when we played Give My Regards to Broad Street and that horrific, I'm just wandering around sense. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there's a relatively controllable vehicle at the heart of this, I suppose. Two modes of play. There's unfortunately a sense of dullness with this game. It lacks excitement, which belies the instructions and premise. It's always a sign, isn't it? The bigger the instructions, the more elaborate, the more dull the game tends to be. Uh-huh. The ATV section does give you space to drive around, but you start to feel like the Amiga man very quickly in that. You're just driving around. Hello, is anybody, is anybody there? Hello, what's going on? Um, it needs threat to make it exciting. Again, um, in the spirit of the Amiga man, this could have been a countdown to sundown, so the city becomes dangerous and such at night meaning you need to do things with some kind of imperative. Could there have been min- missions or key items to find in each building that would unlock something potentially further down the line? The issue here is that you meander around in a vehicle, then meander around some more as a person, with no real drive or threat or kind of count don't count to do or no imperative to do anything. Again, what's the point? Upgrades don't fail. Like upgrades such as they are, extra weapons. The collection of food and keys seems completely arbitrary. It doesn't mean anything. There's you know, no drive in the narrative that pushes anything, any of this on. It's all bound with this kind of gameplay that it's just it just needed to be something more coherent and driven than just driving around a map and periodically going into Pandy's Pork Palace for whatever reason you might need to do that. It's not particularly buggy, but then again, you wouldn't know because it's so underdeveloped that there might be bugs in there that you just you just can become tuned out of. Code works is the best you can say for what it is. Graphics, well, we've seen loads better than this kind of game on many occasions. Very basic, very empty. The sounds are very perfunctory. The music is passable, I guess, but his feet are so very thuddy that it's, it's going to take a while <laughs> for that to come out of this. Now, the irony of all of this is it wouldn't have taken much to make this better, would it? I mean, they're obviously graphic in, graphic improvements and all that, yes, but link the collection of items to an imperative. Have a cycle for the timing so that you need to do things quickly or face more challenges. Add more vehicles and things around. More places that offer engagement. Upgrades to your vehicles. Chop shops. Places where you can go and trade things, different tires, different things on your car. Doesn't need to make a big difference. But if you're going into a demolition derby, the ability to add things to that vehicle that you're in would have been a key reason to go searching for things in the map. That would have made it more interesting to do other than just wander around looking for food and periodically falling down holes. By the way, you get one life, as far as I was aware. So once your energy's out, you're done. Um, so it just need, it needed some of that. Um, like I said, NPCs even for some interaction so, so that they could drive the narrative on this. There's got to be other people around him that you could have interacted with. And just Even if it's just a picture and some dialogue of, you know, you need to go be going to the 
Pandy's Palace because they've got a you know a whatever yeah. a collaborator that or that kind of thing. Um, a few well placed graphic stills, just some kind of feeling of imminent doom or overarching dystopia that that storyline indicated was in there add those things which i don't think would have cost much in terms of development that's not overly difficult development to do that's just thinking about the game you're making which is the big problem here isn't it because this is a gremlin game and they don't think of those things they just need to make the cash so all of those things i've said would have elevated this from more than just meandering around a map in either a car or not in a car and giving that kind of you know giving it that limited amount of time to to finish the missions and everything else critical items to and things like that well it would have just made it all more interesting to try and get to that point when you've got you're going to take down the evil super evil doctor anal whatever his name was going into his arena when you've got a souped up car and you've you've spent all the game building up that car but it didn't do any of that did it so because it didn't have any of that 28 percent is what it got in zap i think that's probably generous i didn't like it didn't like it do you like it no god no i mean this was also released as road raiders or road raider in the u.s by mindscape and you might wish i have a look at that on lemon because the cover for it if you thought the other cover was um Mad Max-ish. You should have, you should have a look. Um, it's ridiculous. But no, I didn't like this. I really didn't like this at all. Just bring back the last V8. All is forgiven. I, I mean, it's a Chris Gray game, isn't it? And Chris Gray games suffer from not knowing how to do on-foot sections. Look at Infiltrator. Yep. The last sections yep. of those sort of thing, which seemed tacked on at the end of after the, all that smaltzy 3D with the flying and stuff like that, and then you get little stick memory. It's the same thing. It's that same yeah. shit. This I, I didn't like this. I didn't. What some horrible top-down drive-around bland backgrounds, and I, there's nothing happening at yeah. all. And Every now and then, a car will appear and explode. No, and this is the same guy that made Technocop. Wasn't Technocop yeah. exactly the same game? Pretty much same sort of yeah. split sort of thing. You drive somewhere and then you go in to do some walking around yeah. stuff. Same same shit. And this is this is less like Mad Max and more like sedent, sedentary Stan or Maudlin Mick or Dreary Desmond. <laughs> it's just. Yep. I, I didn't. I, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. There's no. There's all that instructions, and it's all for nothing. It's just boring. Whenever I get, get one of these games, we open up one of these games, and I look at the docs, and or find we find the instructions, and there's masses of stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I see 28. percent I'm like, oh, all this for that, or all that for this. Sorry, ugly visuals. Yeah. Why does my car have a smiley face on it when driving vertically? Always, it annoyed me that did. It's weird. Bland <laughs> sound effects. I didn't think there was anything redeemable quality. It's pure dog egg for me, this one. I really didn't like it at all. Just boring, boring, boring. Yeah. And like you said, those those sound effects, your footsteps. It's like it's like it's like the sounds of echoing through nothing. They're just echoing because there's nothing in this game. Nothing. No. I mean, this it, it, isn't this kind of a paraphrased parallax as well, a little bit, you know, and flying around. I mean, yeah. parallax, you're flying around, landing. But, but it's missing all those things because Parallax did have a few of those little things and those little imperatives do yeah. make a game. Do make or a night game. Ri- a bit this more is interesting. This is Night Rider again. Yeah, <laughs> we needed another one of them. This is the same thing, isn't it? Drive somewhere, do something on foot. Drive somewhere, yeah. do something. It's like what we said about Technocop. Technocop was Night Rider. Yeah, it ain't good. Infiltrator, fly somewhere, do something on foot. <laughs> yeah. No, good. I didn't like Motor Massacre. Dreadful name as well. Just yeah. dreadful. Anyway, there we go enough said about that 28 percent. yeah probably about right didn't like it let's move along still got two games to get through and our next one up is a budget title it is top cat no sorry tomcat 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 is that kelly mcgillis on the title screen sure looks like her very 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 similar looks i recognize that pose that's kelly mcgillis from top gun shush don't say the words top gun 
<laughs> we don't like that. Shh, can't, not allowed. Not allowed. Anyway, we're in budget shooter territory here, and it's from players. So set expectations accordingly. So yeah, after the interesting loading screen, clearly inspired by... <clears throat> but still pretty well drawn. Um, we get the title screen as inspired by Afterburner <laughs> with a big set of bouncing balls at the top, like the Afterburner front end that slowly spells out Tomcat. I thought that was quite nice, actually. Actually, quite nice balls and moving around and the letters T-O-M-C-A-T were appearing. I thought that was pretty good. And there's a really nice Maniacs of Noise tune as well. So that front end is is really quite cool. There's a lot of nice presentation yeah, in the front nice. end of this. I was yeah, like, ooh, this is good. Uh, we also get the credits here. And this was converted by Digital Light and Magic, Graham. Digital Light yeah, and I saw Magic. That. I saw that, man. Oh, <laughs> Digital Light and Magic. <laughs> it's got, that means code by Ian Denny, graphics by Martin Godbeer. That's a great name, Godbeer. And music by Haroon Tell. Uh, Haroon, whatever. No real options to speak of. Pressify gets us straight into the game. The game is backed up by a story of sorts. So straight from the manual, F14 Tomcat. I thought it was just Tomcat, but never mind. In the le- in the later part of the 20th century... I'm going to try and read this. In the later part of the 20th century, Grumman's F-14 Tomcat represented the US Navy's most potent fighter. There's no punctuation in that sentence anywhere. There's only one apostrophe and it annoys me. F-14 yeah. Tomcat from players places you in the cockpit of a specially adapted version of this devastating aircraft. Ooh. The mission. In the first half of the 21st century, or <laughs> in the 20th, it hey. became possible hang on a minute. it became possible through advances in material technology to construct permanent artificial islands very cheaply <laughs> I love that line. very cheap we just knock them out islands everywhere cheap <laughs> cheap as chips give me 10 of them <laughs> however but due to the spiraling cost of real estate many of these islands were built well they would be wouldn't they they're cheap yeah, um, but you would think when you start building these islands the cost of real estate would come down because people had islands now. Who'd want a house when you can have an island? Uh, Anyway, it's one of these artificial islands that is presently cause for concern. (laughs) (laughs) Not, you know, not perilous. Just, hmm, I'm a bit concerned about that. There's a bit of cause for concern concern. that one. (laughs) The island, locally known as Art Rock 6. What? (laughs) Is a local defence installation and is completely automated. Who built this? <laughs> Why freak, name it then? I don't know. A freak storm damaged the, a freak storm, comma damaged the controlling software, and as a result, comma the island has turned rogue, which has caused for some, which has led to some cause for concern. But <laughs> my thought here, right? It's an island. It's not going anywhere. So <laughs> just leave it. An island. Exactly. Despite the substantial dollar value attached to the installation, I love that dollar value. That's straight out of Aliens. <laughs> There's quite a con- considerable dollar value attached to that. Oh, it's that totally space, taken that from aliens, isn't it? Yeah. Just a few regrets. So and this, uh, this as well. Despite the substantial dollar value attached to the installation, a few regrettable incidents. There are a few deaths involved. A few deaths were involved. <laughs> they totally watched Aliens, haven't they? Yeah, Goodness. involving local shipping have forced us to destroy the island. Okay. Okay. The task has fallen to you, the best low-level pilot in the free world. Why not just bomb it? (laughs) Using a specially adapted F-14 Tomcat fighter with advanced terrain following radar and a special complement of weaponry, you must destroy the island. Extra weaponry may be requisitioned. Maybe. (laughs) We'll let you. We'll let you. You you can have the extra weaponry, but 
Yeah, it's May. You're not sure. Anyway, there you go. That's the nonsense that backs up this game. Uh, what this all means is that the screen scrolls vertically and you must shoot everything that gets in your way. Makes sense. That's it. You control your Tomcat fire in the usual way with eight-way movement, and you must hammer the fire button to shoot. As you progress, you will be beset by land-based turrets and waves of helicopters, and all must be taken down. If you are lucky, then one of the ground-based turrets will reveal a bonus weapon, which you can fly over to collect. Now, these come in two categories. Category 1 has standard front machine gun, which is what you start with, dual machine gun, or triple shot with front and diagonal shots. Category 2 has dual front missiles, side machine guns, and finally a back machine gun. You can have one of these active from either cat- from both categories at any time. So you can have triple shot and missiles, but not missiles and back shots, for example. So if you can't let one from either category, it'll knock out. These are represented on the screen by the numbers 1, 2, or 3 for Category 1, and MS or B for Category 2 weapons. These are in the UI. I'll come to the UI at the bottom in a minute. If you make it to the end of a level, then you must take down a boss, which is really weird, like, caterpillar-type thing. It's dead mm. odd. Um, and if you do that, it's on to the next island. There are four levels in total. And should you beat them, then it's back to the beginning. But no thing, you just do it all again. As budget shooters go, I thought this was okay, actually. Stupid, questionable story aside, this is all right. The UI is nicely done, located in the top and bottom border, which is always good to see with your score at the top uh, and which weapon you currently have active shown at the bottom with a series of icons. bit redundant, really, is you don't get to choose one. And it's obvious which one is active as you're shooting it all the time. Yes, that's true. I'm like, which one have I got? Have I got the front missiles? Yes, that's because I'm shooting front missiles and diagonal shots. But um, yeah, it is what it is. But, you know, just they've used the borders for it. So that's quite cool. And there's also your number of lives, which gets six, I think. There are six lives represented by uh, your uh, Tomcats, basically, mm-hmm. across the top across the top next to your score. So it's, it looks cool. It does look good. There are some issues, though. The visuals are very grey. It's mm-hmm. a very grey game. They've really gone to town with the grey. They've looked at the colour palette of the C64 and gone, it's not enough shades of grey. We need more. Yeah, well, yeah, there is some colour in there. but There is, but it's, it's quite, very grey. The landscape you travel over is very grey for a lot of it. A lot of grey. And this wouldn't be an issue if you and the flying enemies and the bullets were not also grey. Mm. <laughs> That's the problem. But they are. So it's quite easy to lose bullets and enemies against the background at times, I found. Uh, some more contrast would have been helpful here. Black bullets. Easy enough or something. Just to make them stand out. They just don't stand out very well. And it's just, they use, they use a lot of sort of grey and white for the enemies and for you. I get it. You're a plane. Fair enough. So, but the same with the turrets. They're also predominantly grey. Fire a lot. It's very easy to lose lives to bullets that are, again, lost against the background. Um, that was my main one of my main complaints about this. Um, furthermore, as well, I did think you're too big and too slow. Mm. The F-14 yeah. Tomcat is supposed to be low-level, really fast, you know, nimble, agile fighter. You are yeah. massive, <laughs> and you move around like a tugboat. So yeah, but because you're, you're twice the size of everything, and this is slow. So that coupled with the greyness of everything makes staying alive quite tricky. As you say, there, the you know there are some other bits, but I'll come to that bit. Well, then we have the power ups, which are completely randomised where they appear, and sometimes you won't even get any. I went through level one at one point and didn't get a single power up, not anything. So it can happen that just nothing happens, which is can actually be annoying because it's quite hard this game when you do get them. Death removes them all from you. <laughs> so that's always annoying. So with the greyness, yeah. the oversized Tomcat, like a play speed, keeping hold of power-ups is near impossible because you'll always get shot. You'll always lose your power-ups. It is what it is. Some of the background graphics are all right. There are some bits. There's some greenery every now and again, a bit of brown for some sort of, you know, bits and bobs. But it's all, a lot of it's overlaid with grey. Um, it is what it is. It's a bit of a shame, really. As overall, though, it's not too bad. 
It moves slowly, moves smoothly, sorry. There's no glitches. There's a slight scrolling flicker at the top. And there's quite a lot moving on screen at times when everything's firing off and you've got missiles and triple fighting if you can manage to get those. And there's bullets firing everywhere and stuff. It, there's a lot going on and it doesn't slow down at all. It just needed a shrinking of your fighter. You know, a simple little thing. Shrink the fighter and give you a speed boost. And I think, and, and make it a little less gray. Make it a little less, some more variety in the background. And this would have worked loads better. Or even just made the enemies not gray and the bullets not gray. That would have been fine. They could have left the backgrounds as they were. Helicopters don't have to be that same color. As it is, though, and seeing as it is only two quid, this was an okay blast. This was an okay budget blast. I would put somewhere in the Warhawk sort of category of budget blast. Mm, it's perfectly yeah. fine. Four levels. You're not, you know, it's not going to change the world, but there's a there's a nice front end and there's a nice back end and everything like that. There's not much in the way of variety. Every level looks the same. There's and yeah, there's no there are, and there's no new one, two uh, a minute in in the first level you'll have seen every enemy this game has because they don't it's change. True. So, you know, could have done with a bit of variety going forward, but it is what it is. few tweaks, this would have been really good. What did it get? It got 41%. I think that's quite harsh. For a mm. two-quid blaster, I don't... There's got some issues, like I said, but this is, you know, 60%, 70% for a budget blaster, I would say. I would agree. So I, I did quite enjoy this. I thought it was all right. It just frustrated me that I was like, oh, such simple, small changes would have made this loads better. Yes, indeed, yes. But bit of a shame but it's okay what did you think sounds like you felt the same yeah totally i mean it's it i remember tomcat because i remember the music because the music is brilliant by many yeah the music's really good yeah really good music i mean you know we ripped it and used it in many demos so you know you know it's always a good sign yeah yeah but it is good music and the in the presentation you know there's obviously there's a lot of demo code tradition in here so the border's been knocked out you've got a load of raster bars floating around on the high school table and there's just it's just got it's got hints of demo in it okay that's fine when they do that Mm -hmm. what but when you get past all that you know what what is the game well like you said it's a half decent sort of and i've written bottom-up shooter which sounds positively painful but it's the bottom <laughs> it's a shooter that goes from the bottom up yeah vertical scroll that still sounds shooter. painful yeah vertical scroll that's probably far less uh, <laughs> that's the right painful. term <laughs> that's the right term bottom up shooter vertical yeah it's vertical scroll there yeah, i think it's better um yeah um in the kind of in in that kind of almost proto swiv tradition yeah, yeah so the way that sort of the, the trundle scroller i quite I know and that's that's fine we've seen loads of them before loads of games like this before various yeah. quality terror crester like slap fight yeah it's light dozens force warhawk exactly now there's some nice demo polish in here and the great music so that's good things the background graphics are okay they're quite nicely realized sprites not many of them and they they don't mix it up a lot so like you said Within 30 seconds to a minute, you've seen everything you're going to see. Okay. Mm. But they are well shaded when they're there. They are a bit blended. So they do, it suffers from that kind of big blocks of C64 graphics hiding the bullets problem. But okay, you know, it, it does have that. Your Tomcat looks a bit weird, doesn't it? It's a bit, like you said, too big, a bit too blocky. And, and it's the one thing that's not shaded very well. It's, no. it's like a ghost plane. I get yeah. why they've done it. Because from the top, when you look at an F-14 from the top down, they do look kind of like that. That's kind of, they kind of designed them to look that way because they're meant to be difficult to spot like that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in a game like this, it could have just done with a little bit of, you know, even if it was just a little bit of a, or a, a, um, a shadow or something, just to give it a little bit of depth or something, yeah, yeah. just needed something. But it, all right, it didn't have it, pound. So that was a bit odd. And it moved, like you said, pretty slowly. So it's it feels like quite a, another quite sort of trundle, you know, it's a trundle ploddy, 
Yeah, oh, yeah. no, you've got to hammer the shoot, shoot fire button. And it's rock hard because of that. The one thing this game needed was to be a, a you know, a hair faster. Yeah. Um, and because it isn't that, it's, it makes it more difficult than it probably needs to be. But all right, you know, it's lumping and it hinders the gameplay and you're going to see everything in the first two minutes. It doesn't have lots to offer, but it didn't cost you much either, did it? So I don't think it's t- bad for two quid. Um, I just don't think you're going to get, you know, you might get to level four if a miracle occurs because it's insanely hard. Yeah, it is. Um, even with all the lives and the upgrade, the upgrades that are in it, seeing very few and far between. You don't get a lot of them in the game. They don't no, appear that regularly. Rare. Yeah. So, so you you know, really, it's been designed to just give you a flavour of the graphics and you know, and just tease you into. You're never really going to get. Maybe you'll get to the end of level one. Maybe you'll get past that snake thing. I doubt it. But if you do, you ain't going to get far to level two. Um, but two pounds worth though. It's just yeah, monotonous. It has the problems. It has all of those things. But it's got a good aesthetic it's got good vibes and it's the right price those aren't bad things um so you know it it misses the kind of point of the games of these things really i suppose if you but you're not going to get all of the things that we're saying there you know, that's more than two quids worth of stuff so for two pounds i would have been happy with this for two pounds if i'd have got it i wouldn't yeah you know, I'd i would have as well for a bit hit to kill an afternoon i wouldn't have been crying myself to sleep having spent you know 10 quid on motor massacre you know uh, give me give me three or four tomcats or variations of that theme, and I'll happily play them. In, in, but I wouldn't want to overspend ten pound of my hard-earned money um, or somebody's hard-earned money um, on anything else. So for two pound, pretty good. And as I said, in terms of its presentation, for two pounds. We're seeing a lot of this though. These some of these budget games have got the presentation more clocked than the than the, the more expensive ones. Tomcat looks way better when it loads than Motor Massacre or Butcher yeah. Hill. Yeah, yeah, so, very much so. Forty-one percent was too harsh, I think. Yeah, actually, just a note on that. That is overly harsh. Now, you're telling me that this, this a budget game, she's competent enough shooter, there's no bugs, it's got loads of fancy, but it's just, you know, yeah, it's maybe the odd thing around the edges. And it's only a few percent more, really, than Motor Massacre. Get lost. You know, you're putting it in the same sort of, you know, part of the bell curve as dynamic duo in this in this particular episode. No chance in hell. Yeah. This is way better than that. This should be in the 70s minimum. Mm, I thought so, so. I thought so. Yep. There we go. That's Tomcat. Not too bad. All right. Just a bit grey. Let's move on. We've still got one left. And let's see what that one is. And Graham, it's over to you. It's another shooter. A lot of shooters this week. Whether it's 3D, left to right, upwards, down, whatever it is. But this one is DNA Warrior. No DNA in this one. Um, (laughs) $9.99. This published by Artronic Products. Coded by Michael J. Lister. Graphics are Alan Jones. And the musician is Thomas Egerskoff-Peterson and Kim Christensen. He did Upper Copper. He did the music for that. Well, he did. Against him. Um, so I'm going to get the, I've got the blurb here. Now I did find some, I wouldn't call them instructions, but I did find the sort of inlay, but it was next to impossible to read it because it's it's really blurry. So I I, I won't try and read that because I, I don't think I can. No. And um, we'll be here all evening. So I've got the sort of summary that was on Moby Games. It says Professor R. Um, Szymanski has injected an accelerator and DNA into your brain to make you more intelligent. Just as the DNA was at the required level, there was an explosion in the lab which sent the professor into a coma. He was the only one who knew how to stop the experiment, so a Navy assault ship is shrunk and injected into your bloodstream. Now, I'm just going to stop right there for a minute. Something tells me that I might have watched The Fantastic Voyage here and all that kind of thing. What's the, what was the modern one that came out? The, uh, oh, uh, Inner Space. So it's, maybe they've watched a little bit of that. It's, it's got a vibe of it. It's got a maybe. It's basically, it's, it's basically the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the, see the first one with Donald Pleasance and all that. Yeah. Anyway, so you've got to, so they shrunk this um, assault ship down and they're going to put it into his bloodstream and he's got to stop the DNA from growing. Eight pieces of growth inhibitor must be collected before facing your brain. One of my favorite lines we've had in any instructions, <laughs> face the brain, face your brain. 
With a foreign body in your blood, blood cells in other parts of your body are trying to destroy you. You must battle these to hopefully get to the brain and stop your brain from exploding. Another hindrance is the fact that you have to find all the intercellular junctions to move around the body. Some require keys. Plasma spheres can be found along the way to upgrade your ships and weapons. DNA Warrior is a horizontally side-scrolling shoot-em-up. The joystick will steer your ship while the fire button will fire your weapon. Pressing the space bar will select your next upgrade when a plasma sphere is collected. Also seen on the screen is an energy gauge, score, and ship upgrade to select. And that's off the Moby Games blurb, such mm-hmm. as it was. Um, so this is a, quite a nicely realized side-scrolling shooter, actually. Very in keeping with the kind of R-type salamander thing but it has a few extra things to offer and its theme is slightly different to that mm. um there's some very well realized sprites in this game some nice by scrolling in it as well um it's actually it, it feels quite nice and it, it's it's got quite a nice shoot and vibe to it actually um i was pleasantly impressed with this i have to say um, in its own logic but there are other things you know afoot with it <clears throat> you start with a, a fairly decent or fairly simple title screen where you've got some scrolling, um, some of the background detail and some just some basic sort of text. Okay, fine. Um, decent sort of image on the loading screen, not too bad. And then the in, in the game itself, it's kind of stand. Are we going to call this standard side scrolling shooter shoot 'em up sort of window now? Yeah. So up upper quadrant is the game window, a la every shoot 'em up we've described in the past. 20 episodes <laughs> pretty um, much and at the bottom of that about three characters high maybe is the sort of ui it's comprised of the usual things that you find in UI. although this is kind of medium res so it's a little bit unreadable um but you've got in there your score what weapon you've got whether you've got you know when you've collected a sphere it'll say whether it's speed up or you know more shots and you know or double or laser or whatever and so you can press space bar as you upgrade in that um and so it's from the surface, anyway, it looks like and plays like a kind of, it feels like a standard shooter. There are differences, though, um, and some of them are good, and some of them may, well, jury's out a bit. Um, so the first thing to say about this is that it does have quite well-realized graphics and sprites. The background details, what it isn't is a is a full-blown ripoff of our type or any of those. It's probably, if anything, it's probably a bit more salamandery. There's hints of salamander in here. Reminded me a bit of Zynaps as well. And it's look bit of that, yeah. It's it's more it's more along those lines than our type. So I think it's the, no, I just want to sort of establish that from the yeah. get go. Um, and there, and because of that, it's got some quite nicely realised sprites. It's also by scrolling, which is something unusual in this. So you when you you can scroll to the end of the level, and you've actually got to sort of navigate up through the different blood vessel passages to get to the different levels. Or if you can you can go backwards, and the ship will reverse, and you end up sort of flying from right to left, and aimless and sort of endlessly shooting at rocks and things like that. It's I found a little bit that a little bit confusing without more instruction about what is going on. Mm. I found myself thinking, okay, I'm in familiar territory here, side scroll shooter, I'm shooting at things. You now I have these pickups, okay, space bar gets, you know, get speed ups, get, you know, increase my bullet rate and all of those things, shoot at things, okay. I, and then all of a sudden I found myself going the other way, shooting endlessly at what felt like shooting endlessly at rocks. And I wasn't sure, did I miss something? Anyway, I died at that particular attempt and died as so I restarted the game, went through the same process, got to the end of the level, and it just, there was nothing there. I was like, what should I be doing anyway? And then ended up going backwards again shooting at my rocks in the end i managed to sort of navigate my way to level three somehow um, yeah. so that's kind of kind of issue number one was it needed it needed a little bit more direction about what i was meant to be doing at certain points it's sort mm-hmm. of like that so when i get somewhere i'm like ah what am i doing no, no boss has appeared i'm expecting that what's what's happening <laughs> yeah so it was a little bit like that so at times i felt a little bit in the dark but what did work was all of the the game it's the game actually functioned well without that so it's all of the graphics and all of the play of the game was fine up to that point i just felt lost i think like, should, should i have done something if i missed did i should i pick something up you have missed something. I miss something yeah so yeah clearly 
And so, you know, eventually you realize that there are things that you need to get and things you need to you know. But without that kind of initial instinctive reaction to do that, you're going to go into this thinking it's just a shoot up and I've got to blast everything. And then you think, actually, it's not quite like that. A little bit more to it. Um, so there's nice music in here too, actually. The music's good and, and the sound is all good. It's a, it's a full package of stuff. I like the background graphics in this. Yes, they're derivative, but they're very well drawn and everything scrolls really nicely. There's no jerky, juddery scrolling here. There's no bugs that I came across or anything like that. It felt very competently put together. Mm. The enemy waves were quite varied and really challenging, the way they kind of stretched out and flew at you and did all this. And the, sometimes it took quite a few bullets to kill as well. So, you know, you were trying to shoot them to shoot them in time, but, you know, you, you, you're hammering the button, you're like, ah! So this, you know, it's quite challenging. In fact, maybe a little bit, again, maybe overly difficult, maybe, but I'm starting to realise how crap I am at these things. Um, but everything is well drawn. Everything scrolls nicely. The enemy waves, like I say, varied. The controls are very responsive, especially if when you get the speed ups, it starts to feel a bit more like, a, you know, things happen. Yeah. And that was really nice. The ship is about the right size as well for this. They yeah. got that about right. Mm-hmm. Um, and though, you know, at times I wasn't sure, at times when I'm playing it, I wasn't exactly sure what I was meant to be doing up until a certain point when I finally figured it out. Um, I quite liked what, what I was doing. I, I found it still quite instantly interplayable. I got into it quite quickly. It didn't, you know, it wasn't, there was nothing in there putting me off. In fact, if anything, I wanted to get back in and, you know, find out what was going on a bit more. There was kind of a nice drive to it. Um, so the game window is for most of the, is most of the screen, which means you've got a lot of view to play, a lot of area to play in as well, which feels quite nice. It's quite, it reminded me of some of the other shooters that we've seen that have been as accomplished as that. Armalite was like that and mm. lots of screen real estate to play in. You know, you haven't been, seconda to the top half where you've got the bottom half of some kind of weird map none of that here um and you've got all of those things the joystick moves as i said it's nice and nippy fire shoots space upgrades so i found all of that particularly refreshing what it didn't feel to me was like a complete clone of every other shooter that we've played which was nice so it didn't feel it didn't look and play like nemesis or catechist or our type there was something different about it. There was something a little bit different. Very challenging game for sure. I think it's got quite the difficulty spike on this, but that might be because, you know, you just need to get better at picking the right things and doing the right stuff. Um, but I think as with these games, as these games should be, when you start to remember the patterns, and yes, it is a bit of a memory test, but when you start to remember the patterns for these things, you'll start to start to get through those stages of the game and you'll start to progress because you think, right, I need to be here to shoot that. I need to be there, you know, and, and you'll start to realize what weapons you've got. When you die, uh, when you get blown up, um, uh, regaining your weaponry and stuff like that's fairly quick to do as well. So there's no real complaints there. Um, I think it's all in a single load as well, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Nice to have that back again. Um, and there's lots of supplementary stuff in here. There's also nice high scores as well. Nice, easy on the eye, very demo-ish again. Very nice sort of feel to it. There's a lot to like with this. Um Lots of colours and sounds, very nice, along with sort of Daenerys and that type. It's another sort of good side-scrolling shooter on the C64, showing again something that we said many, many moons ago, that the C64 is good at these kind of things, but it's done in the right way, in the right hands. My main issue for me is that, you know, do we need another side-scroller? Because we've had, what, there's at least two or three or four very recently, but, you know, three of them technically were the same game, so maybe that only counts as one. Um, But, you know... The only fly in the ointment for this game, I think, the only fly I can see is that its price point pitches it against something like Armalite. And mm. at the time, I could see that being a problem because I think, you know, if you've got, you know, if it was one or the other situation, you're going to buy Armalite because it's, it's, it is better than this. There's no doubt about that. It is better at what it's doing. But 
if you wanted something that was like an alternative version of another Salamander type game that isn't an R type game like Armalite was or Denaris or all those, well, this is nine ninety nine, and it's not bad for nine ninety nine. It's quite a lot to go at, a lot of levels. You know, there's quite a lot of stuff to go through. It's, I mean, it's eight multi level things, but there's lots of stuff, and there's lots of little, little interstitial bits of when you're flying through different tunnels and things. You get like little mini graphics and all sorts of stuff. There's a lot to like here, I think. Um, it's a good shooter. Now, my final note on this was, did it deserve a better mark from Zap? Because they slapped this at 74%. And I can't help but feel that maybe it should have been, it, it's the same exact mark as Eliminator, but this was better than Eliminator for a shooter. Mm. Um, so I think maybe it's maybe it's more of the 85s more than the 74s. Well, that's just me, you know. Maybe I'm just getting a bit you know, soft in my old age with these, some of these <laughs> shooters. But I've played so many now that, you know, I, I think I'm, I was almost dismissing this one out of hand initially going, oh, God, it's another one. Oh, my God, it's another one. I can't be honest with it. But I gave it a bit of time. And in actuality, in, to be fair to the people that made this, they have done a bad job with what they've done. Is it different enough, even if it's not guided very well, to sort of set it apart from some of those others that we have seen, we've got oh it's just another one of them so uh, i thought it was all right and it's deserved perhaps a better mark but uh, you're the shooter up expert what did you think yeah it's an interesting shoot this that takes a bit of working out like I said what it wants from you once you do offer something a bit different from most left to right shooters i mean for, for like you said for one thing you can turn around and head backwards and indeed mm. you actually need to do that at certain points but I, I don't know if it actually tells you that in the instructions because i was trying to look for that but i don't know if it actually no. does and that con- the control to do that is a bit weird because you have to go to one side and hold in that direction and hold down the fire button for a few seconds seconds don't you and then it flips you yeah then it flips so if you want to go for if you're going to the right you've got to go over to the left hold to the left and press the fire button then it'll flip you and it's opposite yeah. of that if you want to go backwards so that actually is a bit it's a bit weird you know you need to do that point and like when you're traveling through that first section the first thing you need to do is look for a hole in the floor because it's the first you go down to this level two. Because like you, I just got to the end of the level and went up. And I was like, why am I in level three? And then I got to the end of level three and it was like, uh, there's nothing here. There's a there's a lock. There's that thing that's locked. You have to go down to level two, get the key, and then it opens level three. And then you move forward and so on and so forth. But getting through to level two, it's all completely empty. So you get to the end, then you have to flip back and go between the things and shoot the rocks and stuff. So I quite like that sort of... Mm. That's not always, it's not always shooting as well because you're just moving through it and then you're coming back after getting the keys when the shooting kicks in because you've got to go through the rocks. And then you find out it's actually best not to shoot the rocks. Just dodge them because if you shoot the rocks, they split into two and those bits that splinter off are um, indestructible. So don't shoot the rocks. Coming out here. I don't know if they're rocks. I thought, I thought as well that what it was, I wasn't sure because you're in someone's body. I thought it was like you were traveling upstream you're in the vein or something. Yeah. So it was the... It was the bloodstream or something you go. I think, yeah, it, yeah I mean, I, I'm, I'm calling rocks because that's the best approximation of description. It looks like what they are, yeah. There's something, there's something biological, the I think. Because yeah. I thought you were shooting plates and platelets and white platelets, blood cells yeah, and stuff. Definitely, like, it must like be that. white blood cells or something like that. I think that's because the way they split in half as well. It must be something that's like that. That's what I thought, yeah. But yeah, finding those openings in the abdominal walls, heading to different parts, finding the keys to open it in ways onwards proved quite entertaining for a while. I was quite really enjoying this. It does that thing, and I, I think the thing which you may have mentioned or you didn't, I don't know whether it does do you lose everything when you die um or do you um, keep do you keep it have i missed that bit because i was finding that really annoying if you pick stuff up do you then press you don't lose everything right um, i think it takes you back down to two or three upgrades because when i had the super powered upgrade because i'd collected a load of them when i when i died i went back down to having just the speed ups so it does i think it just takes you down a few all right I okay yeah, i don't know because i only ever got one speed up because i found the second speed up too speedy it's that thing about <laughs> you know you don't want to go too yeah. speedy because the controls go yeah like dance, so anyway. doesn't it dance but yeah so i just found that a bit annoying and um it did lose a bit of max that because it's there's a lot of shooting brown plates and bubbles like i said i guess it's supposed to be plateless on the whole though some nice visuals 
like I said, reminded me somewhere, this ship reminds me of Zynaps. There's a bit of IO. There's a bit of, you know, all these sort of shooters that were played are in here, which is no bad thing. It's, it's, it's one of those, but it's a good looking one of those. Solid blast. And it adds that difference of sort of exploration and stuff. So, I, you know, once you powered up a bit and once you, once I was powered up a little bit, I thought there was some nice blasting to be had in. It's not like get to the end of a level, shoot a mo- shoot a boss. It was explore and move around and things like that. There's interesting design here. And I have to say, I really enjoyed this. But like you, I, th- I felt it needed better tutorial, a better tutorial or guidance for the player. Because I think when you introduce new stuff to a genre, nothing wrong with doing that. You've got to signpost it a bit better to the audience so they can just get frustrated. Like, you know, that first hole you get to, if you go up, you're like, Where, what have I got to do now? And especially as in the instructions, you don't really say anything about turning around. You can get like, what am I, is this broken? Is this just glitched? I, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do. So maybe what they could have done is that first, just some signpost or something to say, you know, go here, find this one, look for these. And that I think that would have better still. It's nice. We've seen a lot of just straight out and out blasters. It's nice to see something a bit different. Someone trying a bit different in the genre and doing something a bit more interesting about it. I thought it was really nice. Interestingly, there is a comment on Lemon from Alan Jones, the guy who did the graphics, and he's put thanks for the comments. We made. He said we made the game in not much over a month from start to finish, and it bombed. He says it was the first game to ever receive a three tombstone rating in a magazine, which I think is a bit unjustified. Uh, he says he really likes the music. But yeah, that is unjustified. I think it's a really good game. I think this is a really, really interesting shooter. It looks good. It moves moves decently well. Like you said, no bugs that I could find, no real problems with it. Um, just once you get over that initial hurdle of understanding what to do, really nice little game this was. I would have put this in the 80s as well. Maybe even pushing Sizzler because it's doing something different, but that's just me. I liked it. There we go. There we go. There we are. That's it. Happy days. Actually, seven games for this week. What have we looked at? What have we looked at this week? We looked at, um, what's these? Daenerys. Mm. Arthur Daenerys for Catechist. My bloody <laughs> life story. Um, yeah, it's Catechish. Yeah. Catechish, yeah, I like that. Dynamic Duo, which is nothing nothing of the sort. Um, <laughs> dwarf and Duck. It's Dwarf Let's and have Duck. a drink down the Dwarf and Duck. It's a pub. <laughs> it is, it's, it's a pub, pub name. name. Yeah, it is a pub name. Yeah, the Dwarf and Duck. Um, Eliminator, which is driving down your favourite country road on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> listening to some uh, Chris Rea. Yeah. Because yeah. it's exactly it, it having, having an absolutely lovely day. Lovely day. Yeah. Lovely day. Lovely old time. <laughs> Butcher Hill, bit of a mishmash. Didn't really come yeah. together. Motor Massacre, which was, again, didn't really come together. No. Tomcat, decent budget blaster. And DNA Warrior, yeah. full price blaster, but offering something a bit different. It's all right. Yeah, good music. Great music in the last two of those as well. Really good. Yeah, really good. I would say on the whole that week that this week was better than last week. <laughs> There's some yeah, games yeah, we well, actually like this good week. Ones in there. I mean, even Daenerys, we've played it before, it's still very good. You know, let's yeah, not Daenerys be around the bus. is good. Eliminator good. Um in its own, you know, its own slow way. Um <laughs> Tomcat, good, DNA Warrior good. on all four of those have got really good music in them as well. So Yeah. So not a bad week. Not a bad week. What we got coming up? We finish April. Uh, next week uh, what have we got coming up next week well we're, next week Graham we have Blasteroids oh the biggie I know I'm going to have to see a doctor Big-ish. about that though um, <laughs> nasty case of blast, the Blasteroids uh, we've got something called Zone Trooper oh no 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 uh, then we've got the Monsters oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> and then we've got so Who bad. Framed Roger Rabbit oh God's sake <laughs> and then then okay. nice round of mini golf okay uh, could that'd be, be very own. average probably then something called Orion Oh, and budgety, God. and then yeah. finally to wrap it all up, we have Grand Prix Circuit. 
Okay, well, another racer. Let's give it a go. You never know. It's an accolade one, so hey, well, that's, for good that's, that's got to set it above the usual, so let's see where they go with that. Yeah, hoping for good things. Uh, yeah, so we've got that coming next week, and that's us done for April. As ever, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that. Um, you can still do it. The Patreon is still there. You can go to patreon.com forward slash that to the past for, well, not it's not a price of beer anymore. It's not. It's nowhere near the price of a pint of beer, mostly. No, you can sort of sign definitely. up and get, come join us on the Discord, get the episodes early and all that kind of stuff. Or you could just chuck us a quid and just get our eternal thanks. That would be cool. Or you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com or ko-fi.slash to the past whatever it is just put kofi up to the past and it'll you'll find us um you can even buy t-shirts and i've got one mm. and it's very good quality and it looks very nice it it's very it's, good quality it's actually so, good yep. yeah so if you want to go there zap to the past dot shop and buy a t-shirt do so if you want not but yeah there we go april continues apace uh last every other month after this is two weeks but anyway we've got our third week next week have you got anything you wish to add about april so far graham no at least it's it's taken a i know it's got it's gone up a notch um you're starting to see what is interesting is a few little things you're starting to see the gradual emergence of the maniacs of noise into the music oh, of the games so. yeah yeah and love them or hate them i i've always liked the maniacs of noise myself but they're, they're bringing quality music to the c64 can almost consistently now that's there's more to come from them uh-huh. and we're also seeing some of the you know some of the graphic teams that are still hanging in there on the c64 there's also some new blood coming in there or newish blood, like dna warrior the people that did that a few new names in there and they've got they're coming in with some real skills mm. so you're starting to see sort of you know there's the early some of the early days of the machine you know there's the, some of the newer coding methods and some of the newer tricks they're pulling in there you're starting to see some of the fruit you know some of that is coming to fruition a little bit so it's quite nice to see um it's just a pity that the companies that you expected to do better at this point the gremlins and people like that they just don't seem to be able to bring the consistent quality to the to their titles which is a great shame um but you know that's just what we're experiencing so far maybe it'll change in you know as we go through a bit more but so far that's the tale isn't it it is the tale definitely the tale I agree with you on the maniacs of noise. I mean, they're certainly taking over as the um, they're getting everywhere, aren't they? They're really sort yes, of yes, they are more than more than most. But yeah, there we go. I don't think I've got much more to add. Come back next week. That'll be the next episode. Um, as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. Uh, <laughs> and we have been enjoying a nice dive down a country road, listening to we Bill have. Withers with our with our locks do, flowing do, do, in do, the do. flowing in the wind with our with the top <laughs> down of our convertible and having a very, very <laughs> lovely day. And we hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuda, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. 
Stay safe. See you next time. And remember, we play these games so you don't have to.